ever look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. And welcome to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I want to thank you for everyone for joining us right here from uh, our radio and television studios in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm with fellow investigator, researcher, and my son Joe Hagman together. We are the Hagman and Hagman Report. We broadcast live each and every weeknight, Monday through Friday. It's Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the Global Star Radio Network. So proud to be part of the Global Star Radio Network, indeed. And uh, also you can, you can watch us live on YouTube. And uh, we're simulcast on BTR and Blog Talk as well. Uh, there you can just go to HagmanandHagman.com. That's our main show page, HagmanandHagman.com. And uh, you can, uh, well, the uh, YouTube and uh, BTR Global Star, it's all linked from HagmanandHagman.com. And you can watch our current show right there on our on our uh, front page. And I just want to just welcome people. I've, I've got so many uh, so many emails over the weekend and, this morning, I just, I can't keep up with them all. I just want to say thank you so much for everyone who's written, everyone who said, hey, we're listening here in South America or in, uh, numerous places all across the United States. I want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, I have a great show line, uh, planned for you tonight. Portions of the night's broadcast brought to you by Health Masters. That's Health Masters. Healthmasters.com. Really simple. Healthmasters.com. There you can get all sorts of great um, nutritional products, and we take them. And, uh, purple sticks, Health Masters. Ted Brewer. By the way, he was, Ted was on with uh, um, Dave Hodges last night. Common Sense Show. Don't know whether you caught that. My goodness, delving into nine eleven and some of the more occult aspects of nine eleven. Yeah, it's, it's you should go back and listen to that. It's really kind of an interesting show, and it's you know you think well I know some of this, but it's it's all in one place. It's all in one place. Now, he's going to be joining us. Uh, he's got a trip. Uh, he's going to be going to Europe, uh, really, in, on some research this month. Um, 
at the end of this month or toward the end of this month. So we're going to get him on here to uh, before he leaves for Europe. And hopefully, maybe even when he's over there looking at uh, some uh, some of the refugee or alien invasion of Europe, uh, maybe we can get him on to uh, give us an update from the from the field. Before we get into, again, to, to our guest tonight, we got a great show for you lined up. Uh, um, this is a gentleman, by the way, I, I, I'll just introduce him real quick right now and then go back, uh, I'm going to pop it to Joe and then go, go come back to him. This is a gentleman we met in Dallas, Texas. He's an author of a book called The Financial State of the Union. And, you know, we always, well, interesting lights. Did something just happen with the lights? I don't know. Why are we, why are we yellow? Wow. That's pretty interesting. Why are we like gained out there? I look like, I look like I'm, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's not my natural color. Whatever that is. Anyway. I glow. Yeah. I, yeah, you glow. We all glow. (laughs) Apparently. Looks like we're, well, this is pretty interesting, uh, Interesting way. Anyway, no, our guest tonight, John, state of the Union. John uh, R. Reagan, the Financial State of the Union. And, and you know, Joe, jo- yeah, he, John Reagan uh, appears on USA Prepares Radio uh, right. once a week. He's, he's an instructor for USA Prepares Radio, and we had the uh, the opportunity uh, to meet him in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, we did. And uh, his book, I, I, it's it's a wonderful read. Uh, when I say wonderful, I I guess <laughs> that's a relative term. You know, it's it's written in layman's terms. If you want to know what's happening with the economy, um, this is a book to read. All right, because it it just spells it out what you you know what thing what, what's happening in the world today. I, I mean, it's it's not good news, and we're being lied to. We're being gamed. The system is gaming us, obviously. And John's going to talk about that, and also hopefully some things that we can do to prepare. And obviously, spiritual preparation is important. His website is. Uh, the financial state of the union.com and his book is available via Amazon. Okay. Now, you know, having myself just published Amazon, um, it's interesting to watch the different numbers and, you know, the, the rankings. <laughs> you think you know what rankings are until you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, uh, the reason I say that is because, um, there are 16 million book titles on Amazon. And, and people struggle, strive, want to get in the, you know, top 100,000. So actually top 500,000. Um, anyway, I, I just kind of, I don't, I don't mean to drift too far off into rankings, but it's, it's important because, um, yeah, people look at that and it's kind of a measurement of, of, of production, but real, or, you know, sales, but really it's not necessarily. And, and I say that, uh, being ranked in the top, uh, top 10,000, but that changes hourly. Okay. So. I was ranked at uh, six thousand or something earlier, but it, it, again, it changes hourly and it doesn't have the meaning that you think it means. Anyway, uh, so but anyway, this book, "The Financial State of the Union" by John R. Reagan, is is available via Amazon, and it's a good book. It's a good it's a good read if if you want to know what's really going on in the State of the Union in the the, the money area. Get this book. And speaking of books, and I'm going to turn it over to Joe. I want to just mention this. I have a uh, <clears throat> got a limited shipment. Of my book, Stained by Blood, in the office. A limited number of them. Now, folks, please go to Amazon and, and, and buy it, okay? But, if you want it autographed, um, actually I had, I paid shipping twice on this particular shipment, which is just weird, but it, it's supposed to go to 
Uh, never mind. Anyway, I, uh, so the, the number, the quantity I have, if you, if you want me to, to sign it or whatever, uh, just go to stainbyblood.com and on the right hand side on the top you can see where there's a button that says click to buy or buy here or buy this book or hey you or something. I'm not sure what it says, but it, it really doesn't say anything. It's something written on the button. I think it says buy now. So, um, or send a hundred dollars to Joe. <laughs> just wrap up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just, uh, wrap up your gold bar in a hundred dollar, uh, Federal Reserve note and put a stamp on it or a proper postage on it. Anyway, um, so on the right hand, top right hand side, that thing right there, right underneath. So I've got a limited number. If you, if you'd like me to uh, send one out, uh, we'll do that. Um, I don't think they're going to last much beyond this show and the archive playing of the show. So I wouldn't wait. And, and that's not a sales pitch. It's just a matter of fact. I just I wouldn't wait because once this shipment is gone, I'm not sure when I'll be able to do this again. Okay. So, uh, so having right. said that, now let's, let's get to our guest tonight. Go on, Joe. Uh, our guest is Mr. John Reagan. <clears throat> His website thefinancialstateoftheunion.com his book called The Financial State of the Union as I said we met him in Dallas and uh, had the opportunity to talk with him he gave us his book uh, both one for my dad and one for myself signed and, <clears throat> cool. and he warned me he said uh, after this show you might have a hard time sleeping tonight nah, not, so, not, not, not our audience our, our, you know our audience John is really in, they are really like well Tuned and spiritually grounded, so I don't and the, think so. The back of the book says, "This is your captain speaking. Fasten your seatbelts. We're in for a wild ride through the financial state of the union." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With that, I'm going to turn it over to you, Mr. Reagan. Welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, thank you for having me on, and uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of like you say, uh, it's it's an interesting read. Uh, when I put it out, I. I didn't know whether I should call it nonfiction or horror. It, <laughs> it does fit both categories. Are we losing? You know, I'm not uh, sure. Not there, there we go. Uh, there we I go. I also called it a had to cough. Sorry. Uh, I also called it a, a nonfiction book with plot tri- twists. Um, and though the way it's structured, it's it's not like a normal. Uh, book about finances. I learned all this information, uh, not all at once. It was a journey. So what I did is I turned around and and made it a journey through the financial state of the union, and I was able to put it into an order that gets to build a step at a time. And another thing that happened along the way the the fonts almost uh, almost makes it a, a large print book, not quite. I and appreciated that, by the way. Thank you. And I also um, kept the paragraphs in, in all but a few cases quite short, so it makes it very very easy for you to read the text. And how that came about is, I went back and got my master's in finance back in two thousand nine two thousand ten. And I'd been reading internet for so long that it was practically painful to read those textbooks. So <laughs> I was just trying to, to make it easy for everybody and uh, 
it also almost works like a, a serial. So when you're getting down to the end, you think you're going to finish a chapter and put it down. Uh, there's a nice little hook in there, and I've had several people say they couldn't put it down. They had to read the whole thing at once. I, I read mine in one sitting. I, I yeah, I mean, I read my copy in one sitting, and then I went over and took some notes. So just as an FYI, you can do it, folks. But you know, you can do it. I mean, but and it's entertaining, and it's the way you present the information. It's not boring. Hang on, I wish I could have done it without numbers, but unfortunately, you know that that's the topic. And uh, before I get too deep, let me just stick in a, a word from my wife. Uh, you know, <clears throat> you know, she says, "Run while you can." He's got the red pill and will not hesitate to use it. <laughs> it's true. You, you know, um, when you, when you, here's the thing. When I looked at the, uh, the facts laid out in your book, and I looked at the numbers, and I looked at, I mean, your, your, your postulations. I mean, you're, you're, we all know it's bad. But, man, when you read about it, it ain't just bad. It's like, grab your ankles bad. I mean, seriously, what are we going to do? But, but you get into that, too. So it's a good book. And just to, um, well, I guess back up a little bit, too. The, the book's not about trying to preserve your wealth. In my view, that's an impossible task. But what it is about is to try to save your lives. And this also gets into, uh, you know, what we were about a couple of weeks ago, the, the Watchmen. And on my website, there's a uh, tab on the right that says reports. Yep. And what happened is I originally had some other books planned. I'm not really sure there's enough time to get that done. So I'm trying to get the most important information out there as quickly as I can. And one of the links under reports is The Watchmen of Ezekiel. And okay. when you look at Ezekiel, there's two types of watchmen. There's the Ezekiel 3 watchman, which is the spiritual watchman. And I'm pretty much convinced that if you're a Christian, you are an Ezekiel 3 watchman. It's your responsibility to go out there and spread the word. There's a link to an interesting video there. It's a short five-minute video. Uh, Pin Gillette of uh, the, the Pin and Teller uh, Las Vegas show. Uh, after one show, and, and Pin's a devout atheist. After one show, this guy came up to give him a Bible. And you know how most atheists would just, you know, put you down. But what Penn did is he really complimented the guy. Because if this is what you really believe, and you don't share this information, then how much do you have to hate that person? And if that doesn't step on some Christian toes, I don't know what will. That's a really interesting way of putting it. I mean, it's obvious, but it's interesting. 
And, and yet people will argue about, well, you know, different types of watchmen. Well, you, no, no, the, the Bible specifically states you've got to be this kind of watchman, and if you're this kind of watchman, you, you know, the legalistic aspect really turns a lot of people off. And uh, folks, you know, look, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, harangue anyone, but but you know what I'm talking about and who I'm talking about. But, but the bottom line is this. Um, yeah, you, you. How much do you? It would be as if you are warning someone. If someone's standing on uh, in the middle of a street and there's a truck without brakes barreling down, you know, seconds away from striking that person, uh, how much do you have to? Really, the equivalent is how much you have to hate that person not to yell and say, "Jump, move, run," or pull them out yourself. I, I dare say you'd have to hate that person a lot. And this is what this is. I mean, point well taken. Good point. Thank you. And I ended up finding myself in the position of an Ezekiel 33 watchman. This is the fiscal watchman in biblical times. It was the watchman on the wall keeping a lookout. And if that watchman saw the sword coming, it was his duty to alert the people. If he failed to alert them, then their blood was on his hands. And... What's coming with this financial collapse is as deadly as the sword. Uh, Unfortunately, I first have to educate people what the danger is. And it just, it's not like the 30 second sound bites that uh, we we get out there uh, for, you know, telling us everything's fine, you're just peddling fiction. it, it, yeah, it takes, and John, I just want to just, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to just tell people, if you're looking at your computer right now, if you're at a computer, if you're watching this live on YouTube, open up another tab, go to thefinancialstateoftheunion.com, please do that, and and there, click on news, and you'll see resources for tonight, for tonight's program. John's already assembled some resources, some of the highlights for tonight, so Let's prepare for this this uh, class, as my friend Vince Vanelli talks about, you know, and, and the instructors, and then of course John is a one of the instructors in his radio uh, class, as he likes to put it. And uh, so, please, I'm, John, I just want to make sure that people have that ability who um, who are by computers to to go to thefinancialstateoftheunion.com and open up the tab. And folks, uh, I do highly recommend his book, The Financial State of the Union. It's an it's a good read if you're if you don't like numbers, if you don't like the economy, if you don't like reading about it, if you can't stand it, this is this book's for you then. So there you go. So, John, go ahead. And I meant the book uh, to serve two different ways. For the people that are awake, this absolutely clarifies what our financial position is. For those people that are awake and have loved ones that you can't get through to, if there's a way of possibly breaking through, it's going to be through their wallet. And if you can get them to read this and where they understand that you know, whatever they hold dear that's being held up by these petrodollars and everything else, uh, that's going to be going away and not decades down the road. So if that can possibly wake them up, and I won't guarantee that it will, um, I, I hope it works as that tool where Okay, now maybe you can start moving them in a direction where they'll start taking these steps. Right. And unfortunately, we have to practically run now um, because we have fallen so much for what Satan has given us. 
And listen to that, okay? I mean, folks, listen to what he just said. Satan, not not not. You know, I mean, we're. we're I mean, I believe we're under God's judgment right now. I really do. But that's just me, and I believe that Satan's got a lot to do with it, demonic influence and such. But a couple of questions here, and I don't know which one you want to tackle first. But the first question that comes to my mind is, number one, how much time do we have before before life as we know it changes economically? And that's one question. And the other question is, who's lying to us about the numbers? You know, people saying, well, you know, the economy is getting better. Come on, Doc. I mean, the economy is improving. The numbers are getting better. So, um, yeah, so uh, either one, I don't know how you want to start, but or if you want to start somewhere totally different, it's up to you. Well, uh, of course, the, from what I understand is that our wonderful non-representatives in D.C. know exactly what the situation is. But they're not going to be willing to tell you, because if they did, uh, there'd probably be a lot of ropes sold and uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, trees and lampposts uh, being occupied, if you know what I mean. I, I would yeah. volunteer for that job. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of emails out from Christians saying, oh, that's not very Christian-like, but seriously, they're stealing our, inher- they're stealing our inheritance, John. They're stealing what, I mean, they're stealing from they're us. They're stealing our labor, they're stealing our inheritance, they're yes. stealing everything. And I don't think God likes thieves that much. I, I think there's a commandment. No. Big uh, that, but it, it, it's worse than that even, but we'll hopefully be able to have time to get into that tonight. The, the problem is a lot of the numbers that were given are highly manipulated numbers. So when you look at things like GDP and uh, Chris Martins and has a great video on this if you go to uh, his YouTube channel and I um, believe the, the chapter's entitled Fuzzy Numbers because with GDP that's not what our total sales are that's the basically the sales plus things like hedonics and, um, and I, I guess a way to put it is for example is if you've got a TV set that you're wanting to replace, and this new model, you know, has a couple more features. Doesn't matter if you've never used them; it can even have a lower price because of the functionality of that new TV. It could have a higher value to GDP than the original TV. And that, the way that logic goes is, you could put a brand new free app on your smartphone, and you've increased GDP. It's it's you know you are kidding right? No, I mean uh, they even do things like say you've paid off the mortgage on your house, they will impute what you would be paying for rent, and include that in the number. So when you look at GDP, (laughs) you you pretty much have to take probably around twenty percent off of it. And uh, right before I published my book, I came across the IRS tax stats. And that that delayed my publishing a little bit. So I went in there, and you can see all the income reported to the IRS. And that pretty much comes in line with uh, what Chris Martinson says about GDP. Okay. 
Well, t- you were talking to a guy who who just sat in a in an accountant's office today, and it's not to do taxes, okay? Because I we have a subchapter as corporation, and additionally we've got uh, DBAs. So, you know, it's not the money uh, so much as the rules, okay? I mean, you can get you can make uh, you know forty thousand dollars or whatever. It's not the it's not the money. It's it, well, it's the money too, I guess. But it's the rules. It's the prohibitive nature. I mean, it's it's trying to it, it, paying somebody that you don't have the money to pay to look at your taxes to figure out you know what rules you have to adhere to now with this Obamacare stuff that's in there. I, I guess the bottom line. I guess what I'm saying is it's just. Uh, the system is so out of whack. I mean, it's just so... I, you can't even understand the instructions. I mean, the... the I don't know. I, you just can't, I, I can't understand it. Well, don't, don't feel bad. Uh, back when I was in college, I had originally planned on double majoring in computer science and accounting. And those are two of the most time-consuming majors on campus. And I ended up just majoring in computer science and taking a minor in business. And one of the courses I took was a semester of tax accounting. And I didn't have a mentor to tell me that, don't try to make sense of the tax code. There is no logic. There is no reason. <laughs> I, I can vouch for that right now. I can tell you right now, after after what I saw today, and i got to go back on Friday because I, you know, we have to go through the, the, all the numbers again, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no logic. My accountant said to me, he said, that's what keeps me in business, and that's what makes me happy, as he was eating a Snickers bar. Seriously. You know, I'm thinking to myself, well, I, I'm, I'm okay. I just was so angry today, you know. And, uh, um, again, it's just, it's all messed up, man. It's, it's, and I can't figure out, I guess you got, you got two choices. You can have your own business and, and then go through all this stuff. And by the way, if you hear the background noise, uh, we do have deliveries. Delivery comes every single night at this time. And, uh, and so that's our little studio dog that's yapping at the, uh, in my office. I was, even though the door shut, you could probably hear it. Anyway, so, so the, the bottom line is, um, it, it's none of this. It's just out of control. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. And so I'm, I'm angry, but, um, my anger aside, um, so, so that's okay. So wait a minute. Let's go back to what you said. So, so let's say I was fortunate enough to pay off one of my several mortgages on, you know, I got more mortgages than, than houses, believe me. So if I'm lucky enough to pay off a mortgage, Huh? The government says, "Well, we're going to count that as an increase in revenue." Or, Part of or, GDP. You know, what's the gross domestic product of the country? And since you really? would, you know, you would have to pay for housing. <laughs> hey, let's count it. And it's, okay, you know, it's similar with the employment numbers. You know, the, <laughs> you get you know more people leaving the the market than coming in. And they have the unemployment rate go down. So, <laughs> well, well so, yeah. And and how many times has that changed? And who who's, who who do I blame for this? I, I mean, I guess maybe that's a moot point. But but who is to who is to blame for all of this uh, this chicanery with respect to the numbers? And 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 why aren't they right? How aren't they right? What what is real, the real unemployment number? Let's talk about employment for a minute, <laughs> if we can. Oh, well, gosh, I I, <laughs> I could spend a lot on that. Uh, there's so many things that don't make 
mainstream news. There have been an increase in jobs since the beginning of the century, which includes Bush's term. The interesting thing is most of those jobs, over 90%, have gone to people that were not born in the United States. <laughs> okay. Nice. We've also have the situation where wages have stagnated. Uh, they plug a lot of numbers in there. They've got a birth-death model, which may have worked well for normal times. Uh, what it is is to try and, and track new businesses that haven't reported to the government. So of the uh, 215,000 new jobs they reported this right. past Friday, right. somewhere around 200,000 of those were from the birth-death model. Now, if you watch what's going on with small businesses, first off, they're going out of business like crazy, and there's fewer being started. So <laughs> let's okay. just stick with the old model, you know. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, well, maybe you can just answer this. Uh, what are the real unemployment figures? Do we want to know? Can we know? I mean, well, some some people will will give you the uh, people not. Um, gosh, what? Try and think how they phrased it. It's the people not in the labor force in total. Right. Right. And they'll use that as the number, and that's not really uh, accurate because that number includes everybody from babies to 90-year-olds or, or and above, you know. Right, so, right. Uh, so not all, not all those people would be wanting a job anyway, but there's obviously more. And I did see a, a, an article lately that it's in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 percent of people in their prime working years that do not have a job. So basically, one out of four people. You look around, and there's there's four people in a room. One of those people are going to be looking for a job, can't find it, don't have one, and want one. Is what you're saying, or? Or it's not working. I should, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't qualify that 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 heavily. It's just not working. Um, it's like uh, my example. I used to work for Cap Gemini, which is a large uh, outsourcing firm, and Encore Electric Delivery, which is the electric company uh, that serves about a third of Texas, was using Cap Gemini as their IT firm. And a lot of those jobs were outsourced to India, so it uh, th th there were still um, two or three hundred of us here in Dallas, uh, and they decided they wanted to go with a different company, and okay. uh, they, they made that announcement uh, around Christmas time of 2008, and where I was working, uh, the mobile support area. Um, boss came in and said, "You know, don't worry. They they like the the job that you're doing, and you'll have an opportunity to interview for your position." Well, they did give us the opportunity to interview for our positions, and the two of us that uh, and I was the senior one there that had been there the whole project that knew how the information went from the brand new implemented mobile support system and back to the mainframe. They got rid of both of us, didn't hire us. 
but they did ask, would I stay on for a couple of months to train my replacement? And huh. uh, nice, yeah. And th- this was about um, June when I found out, and there, the the only IT jobs available were Oracle DBAs, which my Oracle DBA experience was too old to qualify, and SAP experience, which I, you know, had I been allowed to stay longer at Encore, I probably would have gotten some SAP under my belt, but I didn't have that either. There were a number of jobs in the accounting and finance area that I would have had no problem, you know, doing what the work required. But since I didn't have a degree in accounting or finance, my undergraduate computer science, at that point only had my MBA, which was in information systems, you don't make it past the gatekeepers. Right. So I, I did some study, and because I was a veteran from Texas, I was able to go to a state school and have my tuition paid for. So I got into this Master of Science and Finance program, and only cost me probably two or three thousand out of pocket with all the books and, and, and everything. And that took me uh, basically a, a year and a half to finish. I would have finished it in 13 months, but that very first summer session, I, I also took an accounting course because I was thinking about trying to take uh, the courses I'd needed to be able to sit for the CPA exam. And the course I took was governmental and nonprofit accounting. It's a senior level course. And that's <laughs> that specific. I mean, okay. I, I guess that surprises me. I mean, government and non nonprofit accounting. No, okay, so, okay. And nonprofits. And wow. it actually shocked me a bit because I'd been doing accounting type work for you know twenty years at that point. And it was so different from what I was used to. Mm-hmm. And they, they make it difficult. And a footnote that I found was for the financial report of the United States. So that was actually one of the starts in putting together the information for the financial state of the union. Uh, if you want to actually point to uh, a genesis, it was around uh, probably a year or maybe two before that, I was... Uh, reading a news article, the president of the Dallas Fed, and uh, among the, the Dallas, or excuse me, among the Fed presidents, the Dallas Fed president was probably closer to being a good guy. He gave a speech where he said that the unfunded liabilities for the United States was in the neighborhood of $55 trillion. Unfunded liabilities. Okay, so our people, or so our listeners know what unfunded liabilities are. You're talking about things that we are earmarked to be paid, like Social Security and Medicare, right? This Uh, was specifically Social Security and Medicare. Okay. And uh, this is the amount that you would need over and above what's projected to be brought in through taxes. All right. So that's why it's considered unfunded. Oh, okay. Now, now I understand that. And, and by the way, this book goes into that. So, so unfunded liabilities meaning you, you owe it, but you ain't got the money to pay it. Or now, you're going to owe it. <laughs> okay, basically. Right. You know, I'm thinking, you know, gee, there, there's there's no way we can handle that. Right. And that was part of the reason I, I went in for the masters in finance. I figured 
if I was going to find any kind of answer at all to our country's problem, and if I was going to find a, a job, that this is going to be the way to do it. And unfortunately, it didn't work for both. So uh, I've, I've not had a paycheck for over six years, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not considered in the unemployment numbers. Okay. Interesting. Well, now, now, one has to wonder how many people are like you then, right? Millions. All right. So, so it's we're already all right. We're already the numbers are already skewed. So, yeah. All right. I get it. As long as we're taking things out of order. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry about that. I, I did, folks. I'm really good at this, you know. Like I, I just go, just kind of, you know, every which way. John, sorry. We we actually had a we actually had a plan. And, and do I go by the? You know, it's like I, I'll take a left turn here and right turn there. But, but yeah, sorry. Uh, since we're going out of order, go, go ahead, and then we can go back to the order in which we had, you know, you had wanted. So I apologize. Well, it's like when I was in the Air Force, my first six years. Uh, part of what I did, if in civilian terms, would be uh, disaster recovery planning or business continuity planning. And then my last two and a half years is at the Pentagon working on the nuclear planning system, which is... That's fun having in your head, you know, 40 hours a week. Uh, wow. <laughs> it, it was kind of fun. There was... Uh, uh, a gift shop up, you know, on the, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, the guess was the second floor of the Pentagon there, and they had these post-it notes that said, "In case of nuclear war, disregard this message." <laughs> and, and there were several of us that uh, <laughs> you know got those to, <laughs> to use. Um, uh, you can store those in your bomb shelter, basically. But yeah, I. Because when you, I, when you work with nuclear war all the time, you have to have a sense of humor, or you'll probably become an alcoholic, right? Or or some other dependency. I got that. I got that. Yeah. And folks, I mean, John's got a colorful history, and he does. I mean, nukes and anyway. All right. Now that I completely destabilized you, go ahead. <laughs> so I just wanted to point out that uh, in these military you know war plans, you know the plans are only good until the first shot's fired. <laughs> I, I know, and that, that's kind of like around here. We 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 have a we have an agenda until we don't, and then you know, or a uh, a script. That's what happened to us in Dallas. Which, by the way, folks, uh, is really interesting. We, we the first speaker was supposed to introduce the first speaker, and then there's supposed to be like five things to happen um, in a specific order. And right from the very start, it didn't happen that way, and we were like. It was five, and then two, and then and then it went to six, and then one, and it was just really strange. So you just you just got to roll with it. Anyway, it just it was kind of fun. But all right, uh, again, John, our guest is John Reagan. Yeah, if we can, if we can kind of start with with some basic things. Uh, I know a lot of our audience is uh, very intelligent, but for those who may not know or have just started listening, can you explain to us what a, a Federal Reserve note is? I like this one. Well, in first grader terms, I'd call it an IOU. Okay. You owe and, me. <laughs> and unfortunately, with these modern IOUs, 
uh, the only way you can pay is in other IOUs. And <laughs> the uh, when you look at a uh, Federal Reserve note, in banking terminology, a note is a loan, debt. We used to have things called silver certificates, and before FDR we had gold certificates as well. A certificate is something them. that's held in deposit. Yeah, I, I've seen the silver certificates, and in fact, I have my grandmother had. Well, my yeah, my grandmother had a couple. I mean, not many, but a couple. Those were the dollar bills that had the actual dollar or five dollar bills that had the actual silver certificate. On this is it. redeemable in yes. silver, I think, or something to that effect. I haven't seen them in a while. It, it was up until uh, LBJ changed the law in the late sixties. Nice. All right. So. Now, I'm just curious, and maybe you can answer this for me, because I did ask this question, and I got two different to do two different people, and I got uh, two different answers. If I were to take a silver certificate into um, the bank, okay, and say I, I want my silver, like today, I couldn't do that, right? I mean, they laugh at me and say, yeah, get out of here, or what's that? That's not even money. I mean, seriously, what would they do? You could deposit it and get a dollar credited to your account, but uh, I'd have to look up for the the exact year. I think it was '67. They changed the law, and you were given a window to take that in and redeem it for silver. And once that date passed, uh, you could no longer redeem silver certificates for silver. Okay, and this might seem like a stupid question, way out there question, but I got to ask it anyway. Let's say you had a uh, a bunch of dollars, or you know, fifty or a hundred bucks, or whatever, and you took it to the bank to, re- to redeem it in, for silver back during that window you're talking about. What did they give you, the bank? Well, when there were silver certificates, you could actually take a one dollar silver certificate, and before 1964 or before 1965, trade it in for a one dollar silver dollar. Okay. Wait. Now. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait. Say that again, because I'm. If you had a silver certificate, you turn the trade in for. For, the dollar coin, a silver dollar. Okay, that makes sense to me. But would it be, because I'm looking at. Okay, so would it be like an American silver eagle that, that we're used to for you know silver collectors and coin collectors of that year or or prior years or. You know, one of the piece or Morgan dollars. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I get it. Seems so, so now that we've got this wabbit hole going. Um, yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> Done this. Oh. Come on, bugs. Let's rock. And uh, I'm going to throw some interesting stuff that I, that's not in the book there that's related to Kennedy. Oh, boy. Now we're talking. <laughs> now it's a party. The, the interesting thing is that I remember when I was young that I saw a lot of $1 silver certificates. And what I didn't realize until I started doing this research, there was not a $1 Federal Reserve note until about two weeks before November 22, 1963. Up until that time, all $1 bills were silver certificates. Okay. Now, let's mull that over for a second. You're telling me 
at my young age. Well, I should have been paying attention at that time. Yeah. You're telling me that the, the Federal Reserve notes that exist today did not exist until two weeks before Kennedy's assassination. The $1. The $1. There were, you know, five, tens, twenties that were Federal Reserve notes. But the $1 bill up until November 63 were all silver certificates. Now, this takes on special meaning to me. Of course, you live in the area, <clears throat> so you can run down to Dealey Plaza and kind of do whatever you want to do <clears throat> anytime you want, right? You live in the area, but anyway, I just got to see it for the first time as soon as I can, uh, as soon as I can swallow my coffee here. I, I got to uh, see it for the first time when I was in Dallas and met a couple of people there and around that area and talked to them anyway. So, coincidence? No. Dealey Plaza, Dallas, November 22nd, 1963, Federal Reserve Notes, Silver Certificates. Your thoughts? What uh, What are we looking at here? And I think it would be interesting. I've not done it because uh, I've got too many other things to research. If we go back and look at the date that it was released and see what Kennedy's schedule was at that point, because Dallas may not have been the opportunity number one. Yeah, I've heard that. Chicago, Miami, other or uh, among others, but yes. So, but in a larger sense, do you think that this was a, shall we say, a causative factor in that assassination? I don't think it's causative, and <laughs> wait, wait till I. Put a, few, put a few more dots out here. Oh, uh, let, me fin- <laughs> let me finish off with the, the Federal Reserve Note Obligatory Clause. Now, <laughs> that's the official name, and since 1963, it has read, this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. Right. And that's what appeared on the $1 bill in the Federal Reserve Note in 1963. What's interesting when you look at the obligatory clause in 1914 on a Federal Reserve note. That says, this note is receivable by all national and member banks and Federal Reserve banks and for all taxes, customs, and public dues. It is redeemable in gold, on demand, at the Treasury Department of the United States in the City of Washington, District of Columbia, or in gold or lawful money at any Federal Reserve Bank. Uh, what, I thought was, <laughs> what I thought was interesting on that, you can redeem it in gold or lawful money. Well, if what you're holding in your hand <laughs> says you can redeem it for lawful money, that tells me that a Federal Reserve note is not lawful money. Well, it depends on what your definition of is is, I suppose. But you, no, you, okay, that's that's true. So you're actually holding basically a note, an IOU, absolutely. Um, or in the worst case, which I suspect you're going, it's redeemable for lawful money. So this this was a um, at the time intended to be, or at least initially used as an instrument between banks, financial institutions, and governments, right? Or Whatever. Well, you know, and one of the reasons that is put out for the reason that Kennedy had to be uh, 
done away with is that he was trying to take power away from the Federal Reserve by issuing United States notes. Right. I saw that. And that was by executive order, wasn't it? Or by some order of... Joe, I think you had done some research on that, but okay. Um, go on. So now, up until 1963, uh, the most current 50-cent piece had Benjamin Franklin on it. In 1964, after the assassination, it was changed to JFK. And that, that I remember. It, yep. Yep. That is the only 90% silver 50-cent piece with his picture on it. Then came the Coinage uh, Act of 1965. Wait, before you leave that 63-64 deal, do you think that could have been like a almost like a in-your-face kind of thing to Kennedy, in a way. Let, let me put this next point up. Okay, go ahead. The Coinage Act of 1965, that's where we got all these junk coins we have now, the sandwich coins, you know, nickel-copper instead of being silver. And that was true for everything but the 50-cent JFK half-dollar. It was changed to 40% silver for, I believe, the next three years. So to me, that was just kind of an in-your-face, you know, you, you thought that you could take on the Federal Reserve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it, it fits, doesn't it? I mean, it's certainly, and one can, one can, one can see how that would fit. That's that's so that just to think about that. We got about uh, five minutes left before the top of the hour. Yeah. Um, when we get into the next hour, Mr. Reagan, if we can, I'd like to get into, you know, actually the financial state of the union, and you know, you alluded to this earlier that we uh, you were thinking about writing another book, but there might not be uh, enough time left. That's reassuring. You know. uh, if we could, I'd like to break down a little bit. Some of the indicators, trends, and uh, other uh, countries' economic situations that are leading us to what looks like um, a great economic uh, depression and/or collapse. Yeah, boy, I want to write another book, but there might not be enough time. <laughs> and, and speaking of time, that was the other question you has: How much time do we have left? Which uh, I, I don't have time at the moment to answer that, but. Let me set up things a little bit. I talked about where the, the Dallas Fed president said their unfunded liabilities were $55 trillion. Well, that's only part of the story. And uh, I want to compliment Dave Hodges. He's one of the few people out there that gets numbers right. But when it comes to unfunded liabilities, he leaves out two words, and that is present value. Uh, now, unless you've had... Uh, you know, a business course that, that deals with that. Uh, let me just explain it. And probably the easiest way is, uh, say you have a baby and you want to save up for college and you figure 18 years from now, you're going to need a hundred thousand dollars to, you know, pay the bill. So if you wait until 18 years and assuming you were right on your estimates, you have to come up with that hundred thousand dollars right then. 
Right. So, so that's the, the the biggest amount that you get cash flow wise. Now you can make installment payments uh, during there and, and with interest have it build up to where it's a hundred thousand, or you can put a certain amount in right now, never put another deposit in, and with the interest that would build to the hundred thousand. So what that present value is. Uh, say you had that hundred thousand dollars, a five percent interest rate, which nowadays is you know, pretty much impossible. Over eighteen years, I uh, believe the number was something in the neighborhood of forty-two thousand dollars. You'd have to put on deposit now. So, when you're hearing these unfunded liability numbers, that's not the amount of money that we need to pay the obligation. That's the amount of money we would have to have on deposit making that interest rate in order to pay for those obligations. I'm going to call Dave Hodges during the break. And I'm going to tell him that because that's an important uh, part of it, obviously, the, the, uh, the yeah, present yeah, value. Wow, present values. Okay. that's And that's even scarier. So there's some interesting history, folks. As we're looking at this and looking at the entire situation, and, and you know things are bad, folks. You know things are bad. You know there's only one way to salvation, and of course, the personal salvation is uh, we need that personal salvation. But, um, uh, but, but there are things we can. I, I hope, hopefully, we can do. And John, hopefully, later on in the program, you can tell us, give us some things that we could possibly do to get out of the way of this bulldozer that's, you know, careening down the down the path at us. Um, yeah. I, I certainly hope. As Russ Dizdor says, it's like a car that's driven off a cliff. Uh, we're in that car. We just haven't hit the ground yet. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Monday edition. Our guest tonight is Mr. John Reagan. His book is The Financial State of the Union. That's right. His here, website guys. is also thefinancialstateoftheunion.com. And uh, book one, Unspinning the Spin, Revealing the Condition We Are In. And you can hear John, uh, as John is a USAPrepares.com radio instructor. And uh, John, when do you broadcast? On Mondays. On Mondays? <laughs> what a way to start the week, you know? <laughs> yeah. let's, let's talk about the economy. But uh, yeah. no, Vince Finelli is a great character. I, I think I figured out why Vincent has me on on Mondays. It makes the rest of the week so much cheerier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I've had the uh, pleasure of being uh, on Vince's show, and it's, it's, he's got a great program. And I listen to you when you're on. Now, I've heard you talk about some pretty interesting things, much of which we're going to get into on the other side. Folks, I uh, just want to make another announcement again. Uh, by the way, John Reagan's book, go to Amazon or go, go to the Financial State of the Union, his website, .com, grab his book. But also want to make a real quick announcement. If you want to stay in my blood, i got a limited number of copies here at the office. I'll sign them for you and get them out. There's a mix-up in things, and I'm not sure how I got them, but I got them, so I don't have that many. So just to go to stainbyblood.com and uh, look at the right-hand side on the top and click the thing, and we're good to go. All right. We'll be right back with our guest, John Reagan, right after this. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 
Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Hagman Report. Our very special guest, Mr. John Reagan. John's got an MBA. Despite his master's, he's a smart guy, despite of that, in spite of that. So, um, you know, in part or at parties, did you ever talk to somebody with a master's degree? Wow. Well, very often. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and you know how much fun at parties that could be, right? But anyway, no, despite uh, his MBA... He's a very intelligent guy, and he's able to get across his point uh, to to normal people, people like me, people that don't like to really deal with numbers. And after today, I'm, I just don't I don't like numbers. So we're we're pleased to have him. His website is thefinancialstateoftheunion.com. Thefinancialstateoftheunion.com. Do yourself a favor. Go over to Amazon.com and uh, buy his book. It's a really good read. Well, it depends. Actually, buy his book and then pop over and buy Stained by Blood and then compare the two. One is, uh, one's got like a, a lot of horror and, and gore and blood in it and the other is my book. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. All right. Uh, you see what I did there? Okay. Anyway, uh, no, it's, it's great to have John Reagan on and portions of the nice broadcast again brought to you by healthmasters.com. That's healthmasters.com as well as americansurvivalwholesale.com. You want to know about survival preparation products? americansurvivalwholesale.com. Visit americansurvivalwholesale.com and take advantage of their various specials. And they are a Christian owned, veteran owned company. Uh, just a tremendous, uh, a tremendous company that has great products, great food. We eat their, um, we, we actually eat their, their canned, uh, food here in the studio ourselves. In no emergency. We eat dried fruit mm-hmm. and, uh, 
Joe and I wrestle for it. But that's what we do. But again, our, our guest tonight, John Reagan, the financial state of the union.com. If you're listening to this at your computer, definitely visit the financial state of the union.com. And during the break, John was sharing some pretty scary stuff with us. But before we get to John, or before we get to that other stuff that you're, you're, I'm, I'm about ready to go in a fetal position. Before we get to the new stuff, you were, you said, yeah, I got to answer your question first. So we're going to kick it back to you, John, again. Thanks for being with us and go ahead. Yeah. Oh, so, since we're having so much fun with uh, Wabbit Twails today, uh, yeah. <laughs> let, let me just throw one little thing out. You're talking about uh, 9-11. Uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to Dr. Brewer on, on uh, the Common Sense show on that, but I found an interesting coincidence dealing okay. with 9-11. Okay. And uh, <laughs> So like I say, you know, I worked at the Pentagon for two and a half years, and I probably knew this, but back in the 80s, this didn't matter. The Pentagon, the groundbreaking took place September 11th, 1940. Wow, that's the fact I've never learned. And that was yep. you know, roughly yep. two months before Pearl Harbor. Yep. And actually... The dates, the occult dates in there, my goodness. Ted talked about it last night. Um, just the, the, um, the dates, the start of the planetary alignment. And people might think, oh, this is just crazy talk. Well, you know what? Maybe to us it is, but, um, don't mock that which you don't believe. Other people believe in this stuff. Other people believe in, you know, the planetary alignment and the, that, that, you know, it means things. So look at the astrologers and such. So, but interesting non coincidence. 9 11. John, did you work at the Pentagon during 9 11? Yes, not during 9 11. I got there in um, late 85 and was there through early 88. Okay. The second Reagan term. Okay. And let me go ahead and <laughs> say this while we're on uh, <laughs> on another rabbit hole. Um, my life was still, you know, well, it's kind of hard to call my life normal, but somewhat so up until that point. Uh, I'd had a top secret clearance as soon as my initial investigation came through up until that point. And then when I went to the Pentagon, the nuclear world's an above top secret world. And then specifically, uh, one of the, uh, I'll try to explain it. You might have read about Hillary's emails, and some of them were the special access programs, SI and TK. Yes. Uh, Sign- Signals Intelligence and Talent Keyhole. Um, the I knew about the SI, yeah, but, but TK I, I wasn't familiar with. But go yeah, ahead. That's that, the spy satellites. Uh-huh. And, and I got to go a lot of cool places. Um, I got to go to the, the White House Situation Room. I got to go to the NSA. I got to see one of the flying command posts. I got to see the Situation Room in the State Department, uh, the NMCC, National Military Command and Control Center, the Pentagon. I also had several trips to the alternate National Military Command and Control Center, uh, also known as Site-R. Um, that's inside a mountain in Pennsylvania, uh, just across the border from Camp David. Right, right. I, I think our audience knows that. What is Mount Weather, right? No. <laughs> okay. Mount, Mount Weather's another facility. Oh. 
So did you did you say the name of it? Raven Rock is that what you said? Yes. Site R S I T E hyphen R uh, is what you can search on, and I, I actually found out more on the internet than I did from being there several times. Uh, the only thing that uh, may be suspicious, I don't know about the underground transportation stuff. If it existed then or exists now, I can't say. Uh, I, I saw no evidence of it, but again, those types of things could be hidden. Sure. But uh, as far as how it's built, um, it's not uh, quite the same as uh, Cheyenne Mountain, but there's a lot of similarities. And, and I always thought it was funny. When you go in and out of <laughs> the mountain, you have to go through a metal detector, and they'll go through your briefcase unless you have a courier pass. <laughs> But at the Pentagon, which has the same classified material, you can walk in and out all day long without being searched. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And, wow. Uh, you know, just some, some more trivia for you. The Washington Moscow hotline, which in the movies you always see as a red phone on the president's desk, that's not the case. The, the hotline is in the Pentagon, in the command control center. And it's not a phone. While I was there, they were in the middle of uh, testing the replacement. Up until that point, it was teletype. And they're switching over to computers. And what they would do is they would send uh, encyclopedia articles back and forth, something that's you know, non-inflammatory. So it was a right. nice learning experience on both ends for people. But it's <laughs> when anybody talks about the red phone in the White House, <laughs> no, that's not it. I was I was in the Oval Office looking for the red phone. Um, in fact, uh, the proof of that is on my personal Facebook page, and people said, "Yeah, that's a you know." It was weird. I just had some fun, and um, that was not uh, photo, uh, folks. It was not photoshopped. I was actually in well, an Oval Office that looked like the Oval Office, right? And some people said, ah, "You know, t- tell us." And I do have to wait until your program tonight. Uh, that was at the, and when we were in Dallas at the, uh, the Bush Library. They have a mock-up of that uh, Oval Office. So there, I broke the suspense. But I was looking for the red phone and the nuke button when I was there, and I was telling people to get out, <laughs> of, out of my way. There was a button. Yeah, there was a button, all right. There's a couple of them. But anyway. Now, with my clearance, I ended up talking to a lot of Intel-type people. Uh, and one of the things I learned is that if you know too much, that could have... Um, an impact on your life expectancy, if you know what I mean. And it got. Well, you're to welcome to elaborate if you want. <laughs> uh, I read the obituaries differently. Um, not that I believe that it was a common practice, but uh, undoubtedly it did happen. And like I say, this was the good old days during the second Reagan term. I can just imagine what it's like today. And I got to a point where I, I really had to make a decision. And I decided I just couldn't keep on selling my soul on the installment plan anymore. Mm. So after eight and a half years, I planned on, you know, making a career. And after 20, you get retirement. And uh, so I, I left. And right. for the first year that I'd left, I'd wondered, you know, did I learn too much? And every time I went out, I was always looking in my rearview mirror. And once I made it past the first year, I figured I was okay. 
now I know that uh, where I was in the above, above top secret world was pretty benign. And uh, one of the people that I've had an opportunity to spend time with, uh, being with USA Prepares, is Dr. Richard Allen Miller, who was the lead physicist for the United States Navy. Uh, this was at a time before I was there. And one of the things um, that I'd found on the internet was talk about uh, a Nazi base in Antarctica, and Steve Quayle's done a, a good job on this too. But Dr. Miller actually went to that base. He was specifically tasked with trying to figure out how the bioluminescence on the wall worked. And he said, it's quite a sight to be there because when you look up, the ceiling of the cavern is a mile over your head. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hold the phone, guys. We're gonna, we're we're gonna push the talk of money aside here a minute. We gotta we, we you and I we have a we we gotta have a conversation. All right. Uh, uh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I really didn't prepare for this type of conversation tonight, but uh, Dr. Miller also uh, uh, <laughs> put up a YouTube that was a Russian documentary. And this goes back to when uh, Admiral Byrd led a joint uh, U.S.-Russian task force, this was after World War II, uh, to Antarctica. And you know, ships got heavily damaged, people got killed. And uh, in part of the clip, it looks like uh, something saucer-shaped was moving pretty fast by the carrier or the battleship, whichever they had there. Have you talked to Steve Quayle about this at all? I mean, I, I got to ask you, man. Okay. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 the, as interesting as that is, he talked about another thing. And, and when you're at that high level, and this is the, the he was a GS eighteen, and when you're at the three and four star level. Uh, you're treated a little differently. When you're on the peon level, you know, I was just a captain in the basement of the Pentagon. Uh, you're held to the standard of need to know. So even if you have the security clearance, you don't necessarily get access. Well, when you're at that high level, you have what's called vault access, which means you get to walk into the vault and look at whatever you want. And he talked about I want one of those. Sign me up for one of them things. All right. Talk about not sleeping. Um, he came across a report about a joint U.S.-Soviet manned flight to Mars in the early 60s. Yeah. You know, I, I do believe that we are so far ahead, and in, in all seriousness, um, after talking with Steve Quill and talking, and Steve has talked to these three- and four-star people maybe person or maybe two people i don't really know and um yeah apparently there's some things we we're not privy to obviously and uh we're, we're delving into that area right now um you have any reason not to believe stuff like this i mean based on your experience i i've got enough other pieces that i would tend to believe it and what I can point people to, I don't know, it's been posted online. 
one of the speakers at the Secret Space Program Conference. This was held in Austin, uh, I think it was like October 31st last year. And I can't remember his name right off, but this guy used to be AFOSI, that's Air Force Office of Special Investigations. You know, so he's a professional investigator. And he started researching and you know, he started following this trail back to the Second Reich. And okay. when you say the Second Reich, what are you referring to specifically? Because I did, there's been some issues, or there's some people, you know, uh, defining the Second Reich di- differently. So, what what do you mean by that? Well, the the First Reich, basically Holy Roman Empire. Right. The, okay. the Second Reich. This was uh, in, in the 1800s. All right. All right. I think it was probably even before the Civil War. In fact, it had to be. And he talks about these aircraft um, that, uh, keep in mind, this is way before Wright Brothers. Right, correct. That could travel across the continent in a matter of hours. And uh, apparently uh, uh, one of these guys went and talked to Lincoln and his uh, Secretary of War. And they were getting ready to go to Congress to get funds authorized when the Secretary of War uh, shut it down, supposedly. And he had some conjecture that this may have been the first black ops project. You said Lincoln. You mean Lincoln. like Abe, Abe Lincoln? Abe Lincoln. And, and aircraft we're talking? Yes. And there's also drawings of something that looks a little bit like the Third Reich Nazi Bell. Right, I, okay. That's an interesting topic, too. And it is believed that they actually had anti-gravity technology before the turn of the century. Yeah. Man. Uh, I, could just, I could just, wait, wait a second, I, I could just picture Lincoln being really hacked off that they lost his luggage. Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway. No, we, uh, we talked about this wow. quite a bit on the show, and I think we were talking about it before the show. The, um, I know Eric the Tech and, and I were talking about how, uh, whatever's put out there in the mainstream, and, and Billy Crone talked about this, and, and many others do. The amount of years ahead the government and the elite are technologically, uh, far supersedes that of what they show, uh, in the, in, everyday life and in the mainstream and even for new inv- inventions and, and technologies. Um, you know, they're, as you as you would say, light years ahead of us, 50 to 100 years. Well, even more. Yeah. I, I mean... Well, while I was living in the Ozarks, I had an opportunity to go to the 2012 Prophecy Summit in Branson. And at the time, the only speaker that I knew was uh, Tom Horn who does a great job on transhumanism. Yes. The only other name I recognized was Chuck Missler, but I really wasn't familiar with his work. And then I, <laughs> a lot of other cool people, two of which were L.A. Marzulli and Russ Dizdar. And before going to that conference, uh, I, I thought it was going to probably be a little on the, the dull side, you know, people going into the Bible and having their opinions. Nothing like that. And if you had bet me ahead of time, you know, what's the last thing you're going to hear about at this Prophecy Summit? And if they said, how about 
Nazi flying saucers. I'd say, okay, I'll take you up on that bet. <laughs> and boy, would I have lost. Um, I think it was actually L.A. that uh, did that presentation. There's two different Nazi flying saucer programs, and these were not spacecraft, they were aircraft, because when you look at the pictures, you know, they had windows and open windows and machine guns pointing out on them the whole thing. And each of those came about through separate um, witch lines. You know, one witch was, lines? Witch lines. One was the okay. real, you know, society, and uh, you know, so this was channeled technology. Wow. And, and, and you know, my time in the Air Force and all of that, uh, never did I have any indication of the occult nature of World War II. And with what I know now, you know, I'm just having to look at so many things so differently. And what all I learned at the Prophecy Summit, I mean, it was two or three months before my brain was able to kind of assimilate it all. You know, isn't it interesting how we are led to disclosure? And um, that word disclosure has different meanings to different people. And, of course, the, the bigger connotation of disclosure is ultimate disclosure at some point in the future. But, but you know, it's interesting because I was introduced before before I even knew what uh, satanic ritual abuse was and satanic crimes, back in the uh, back when I investigated the murder of my uncle. All right, now having said that, I didn't know what it was, and, and I was dealing with it. So, and here you are at the Pentagon, and perhaps you're maybe a, an arm's length away from, or maybe that's I don't know, or you're you're just on the periphery of things like you're talking about. I mean. But, but then, at some point, we all we all kind of get hit with this disclosure, or we all embrace disclosure, or know that hey, there's stuff going on that we didn't know about. And, I mean, some we knew that obviously we knew stuff didn't you know, was going on we didn't know about, but the the enormity of what we're talking about here. I mean, consider the enormity of this. But wow. yeah, it's kind of like when you live in an apartment, you might have an idea of what's going on upstairs. You don't have a, a a full picture of it, and I was noticing that things kind of had a life of their own, and that's really, uh, looking back, what I was probably noticing was the satanic presence, and I could see that what the, the people see, uh, the, the facade of the Constitution, you know, the three branches of government. Right. Um, there was some control there, but that's not where all the control was. And like I said, of course, I know a whole heck of a lot more now. Isn't this interesting? You, you come on to talk about the, the financial state of the economy, and we're talking about things that, that really your experience goes back um, into the mid-'80s. And, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just, it, to me, this is, this is fascinating. We're having a conversation, folks, with John Reagan. His website, the Financial State of the Union dot com. His book, The Financial State of the Union, Book One, Unspinning the Spin. But we're also talking about some pretty enormous subjects, pretty pretty big time subjects here, and uh, dragging him into rabbit trails that necessarily he was not prepared to go. But none, you know, he's good natured and going down these rabbit trails. So, um, you know, I, there's, we're, we're talking about this for a reason, John. We really are. I guess let's get into some doom porn. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Some may call it that. I call it awareness, uh, you know, level level of awareness here. Go ahead. And, and let me start off uh, with a little bit out of Matthew 24. Um, you know, Jesus is talking about uh, what when are you coming? You know, they, they want to know, and even Jesus didn't know. And, and you asked the question about time. You know, when is this collapse going to happen? And I can give you a season, much like Jesus does. I can't give you the exact time. But he goes in and, and saying, you know, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. You're going to see, uh, you know, famine and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And what comes right after that is, is what can, kind of puts the hairs on the back of my neck up. And these are the beginning of sorrow. That's right. the good old days. <laughs> you know? And uh, I really believe, and, and we'll be getting into this, you know, that we'll be seeing famines of biblical proportions. Uh, the word pestilences, uh, we need to say pandemic to bring it up into modern terms. And it's not just what's going around in humans. Uh, there's so much affecting the, the plant life as well. You know, olive oil is going up because there's uh, <laughs> this disease affecting the trees in Spain and Italy. Uh, bananas may go extinct because of a fungus. Um, vanilla for ice cream is has gone up 150% because of the problems in Madagascar. I mean, it's just all over the place. And, and of course, then there's the earthquakes. Huh? And, you know, some people wonder if those are man-made or, or not. Uh, you know, you can even take side trips into uh, Planet X or the, the Dark Star. And I, I still can't tell whether or not it's real, but we are seeing... Um, some of the effects that we would expect with the, the volcanoes and earthquakes. And, uh, yeah, so if uh, we're talking doom porn, I think we're in pretty good company here. Well, we're off the. Wait, wait a second. I'm going to turn it to you. We, we had a, a situation where, uh, did you see where the bees, the swarm of bees attacked the, uh, the mosque in Arizona and then another place? Uh, uh, and they could have been hornets, and of course there are references to the, the Bible. And then of course, uh, thirteen uh, bald eagles suddenly. And now we're going back to the day of Scalia's death. Thirteen bald eagles found in Maryland dead. Anyway, yeah, oh, yeah that, that was weird. Right, and uh, gosh, while we're while we're talking environment here, why don't I just go ahead and throw in Fukushima? That's where I was going to ask you about. So let's do it. <laughs> Uh, back on uh, December 14th, I reported on an item I found where the government released some uh, reports on Fukushima. And these were weekly activity reports, started the 18th, a week after the event. And this first batch went through April, so it's those first few weeks of what happened. And in there, you also find out that... Uh, you know, the, the resident in chief and, uh, um, the, the witch in the state house there, uh, were both briefed on it. Of course, they didn't bother 
telling any of us. Right. And we and, would just, yes, go ahead. The reason behind not telling, is that a, uh, you know, we talk, we hear about the population reduction eugenics programs. Um, was this just, was this just another example of, uh, not panicking the people or not caring about the people? It's kind of hard to tell. Okay. But up until I made this report, we've talked about Fukushima a lot on USA Prepares and part of that discussion was, you know, we really hope there's not an earthquake, a big one, because if those spent fuel pools go, we're in a world of hurts. Well, in that very first report on 318, and these reports were, they said they were classified, but they were marked for official use only, and just to, uh, for people that don't have the, the security clearance background, for official use only, that's what the base phone book is. You don't even lock these things up. But that's how low level this is. From there, you go to classified. Right, right. I just, I, John, I just want to tell people we get FOUO documents, LEO documents all the time. Okay, for official use only. It's almost meaningless, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's. <laughs> like I say, it is for, for official use, but it, it's not considered a. Uh, a security, you know, cause damage to national security if it's released. So these were just for official use only documents. And in the very first one, it says that <laughs> these are the spent fuel pools. 100% of the radiation in pool one, 50% of pool two, and 25% of pool one were released into the atmosphere. That's startling. So after that, I made a series of eight special reports, eight hours worth on USA Prepares, and that only got me through about a third of uh, the history that I was going through because given that piece of information, now we can look back, and instead of making conjecture on some things, now that we know the radiation that was out there, uh, we can be certain on more things. Oh, do tell. What can we be certain? I mean, I don't know. All right. What do we know? Well, things like, you know, the the stories came out about uh, the USS Reagan and how yeah, it, was, the troops. It, it got hit by a lot of radiation, uh, stories of people, you know, diarrhea in, you know, in the hallways, you know, can't control themselves, uh, very severe acute radiation poisoning type symptoms and it took quite a while for them to uh, get the radiation out in fact there's several ships that apparently still have some levels of radiation especially in uh, normally inaccessible areas but of course uh, you know they don't want to uh, help the people that uh, they put in harm's way you know then, that's sad. I mean, that, that that whole situation is extremely sad because we're talking about people's moms and dads and sons and daughters, and we're talking about human beings, and we're talking about some government bureaucracy that could care less about us, obviously. And, you know, you might say, well, Doug, why does that surprise you now? It doesn't. It just angers me, I suppose. You know, I mean, really. 
And I hear reports out of the Pacific Northwest, you know, there's dead trees there. And not only are there dead trees, there's no animals, no insects. And apparently there's not even bacteria and fungus because nothing's eating the dead trees. Robots can't even go in there. Well, no, in Fukushima. In nice Fukushima. have a Pacific Northwest. Oh, but, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's much like the area around Chernobyl. In America. I mean, think about that. Well, it's worse than that. And uh, <laughs> okay. if you go back to hour one of USA Prepares this last Thursday, uh, Vincent was talking about one of our instructors was in the Los Angeles area, and he was taking readings all over the place. And go like to Walmart and, and check out the carpet, and it was over a thousand counts per minute. Normal background radiation should be single digit to low double digit counts per minute. Right, right. And he also right. checked foodstuffs, and actually one of the lower counts was on butter, and that was around 400 counts per minute. I, I have actually seen, I, I was in one supermarket that I, I watched somebody with one of the. Um, uh, I want to say a nuke alert or something similar, a device similar to that. And I did ask this gentleman the question, what are you doing? And he said, checking radiation levels. And I thought, wow, you know, okay. E- e- even in our area, of course, you know, the thousand-mile salad, and, of course, you, you don't know where the food comes from necessarily. So, all right. But so, but when was this? I mean, was this, like, recently or? Yeah, this was, like, within the last week or so. Okay. And uh, among the, the pieces of uh, <laughs> you know, trivia that I learned along the way, the place in the United States that got hit with the most amount of radiation from Fukushima was the east coast of Florida. The east coast of Florida. Wait a second. Now, how is that possible? That's the way the jet stream went. All right. I, I, I have to... And folks, think about that for a second. The east coast of Florida. You're talking about Daytona Beach. You're talking about... Uh, Miami. Uh, okay. And a quick lesson on radiation. You know, I, I remembered from school, you know, you've got the, you know, the lower levels, the alpha and the beta radiation, and how alpha is so weak you can block it with a piece of paper. And when you read about uh, them talking about radiation levels being safe, they're talking about exposure to radiation. So imagine you have this block of radiation sitting in the room with you. Uh, Depending on the distance and what's between you and it, uh, you're going to get a certain dosage. And you can read what the symptoms are depending on how much dosage you get over a certain period of time. And that's typically all that is talked about when you hear radiation in Fukushima. However, when you turn around and you inhale or ingest that alpha radiation, it is many, many times more damaging. Uh, Okay. Well, you know, John, this goes to my bigger question, I suppose, is, is um, well, why, why, and maybe you can't answer this, and if you can, I certainly understand, because I certainly can't answer this, but why aren't we being told about this? Why aren't we being told the truth about this? Is it because 
Well, why? Okay, part of it, and this gets into the, the financial part as well, if we could really wake up everybody and, and they knew what the situation was, that would make the collapse happen sooner than it's going to anyway. Because people it, it, realize that... Well, it, it, we're, we're, we're kind of, pardon the expression, but we're kind of screwed anyway, right? I, I mean... We are. And if you look back, you know, Tokyo should have been evacuated. But when you have, I think it's, you know, 40 million people there, uh, it, it takes time and it takes, in that case, probably over a trillion dollars to try and relocate. And where are you going to relocate them to? There's yeah. no infrastructure set up to relocate that number of people to. And we may be looking at a similar situation, not because of radiation, here in the United States because of the drought in California. If that water level gets down so far where it can't support, you know, the millions of people there, we're looking at trying to relocate roughly that amount of people. And where are you going to send them to? Yeah, that's an interesting point. I recently read an article uh, from an interview from the, I believe it was the either the mayor of Tokyo or the prime minister of Japan, where he talked about in the days uh, after Fukushima the prospect of evacuating the town, and they said that they, you know, were wouldn't be able to do it uh, because of the amount of people. I think it was like 55 million people. They said uh, estimate that they'd have to relocate, and that brings up the other points you mentioned: where, how, and you know, uh, they haven't done that. And we know Fukushima is still a problem. It's still leaking radiation, radioactive water still spilling back into the sea. And that's still contaminating. I mean, uh, what have you heard on the Pacific Ocean as far as the life in the ocean? I've heard, you know, 99% of life in the Pacific Ocean has died. Uh, you know, we constantly hear stories of dead fish, dead whales, uh, and other uh, dead creatures in mass floating up to the shores of different nations. Do you think this is all related to Fukushima? I think most of it is. Uh, it's possible that, uh, my understanding, there's a red tide out there as well, and, of course, that's poisonous and what would affect uh, life. I've seen reports where no killer whales have uh, survived uh, You know, they were born and they died off very quickly. Uh, so uh, unless that changes, once the current killer whales die, there's not going to be any more in the Pacific. And, and of course, you, you know, we're talking about a food chain here. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I, I had a, a pretty high-level government official, well, a government contractor, that told me that basically they didn't they didn't care anymore about the northern hemisphere that they were populating or intended to populate, they meaning the globalists, the southern hemisphere. Have you heard anything about that? That's question one. And question two would be, has Fukushima, um, we understand it's a global catastrophe or a global situation, or a global horror story. Um, has Fukushima affected the southern hemisphere as badly as the north? Not as badly, but radiation has made it to the southern hemisphere. And I have read those reports that, um, you know, 
the elitist type families have property in the southern hemisphere uh, at the way things are going I'm not really sure any place is going to give you anything long term and in fact <laughs> I guess go back one of the reasons I started writing those reports that's on that tab on my website is I, I started looking at things and was saying you know you look at Matthew 24 and it's it's looking a whole lot like it's the season of course people have thought that for the last 2,000 years and I'm saying okay is there an alternative to that and you know how the there's cycles that repeat in the Bible so I'm thinking you know Jesus spent three nights in the tomb so we're also told that um, you know time's not the same here as in heaven that you know a, a thousand years here is but a day so we've had two thousand years which you know would suggest to me if it follows a pattern we could maybe have another thousand years and in the middle of trying to present the, the sides of that argument uh, I'm starting to see other things whether it's Fukushima or the geoengineering that Dane Wigan talks about or the, the droughts affecting the food supply the pestilence that I just talked about and I'm starting to pay more attention to those places that talk about heaven and earth will pass away and I'm actually beginning to believe that we're getting ready to hit that time meaning I mean one can interpret this differently I suppose but what does that mean does that mean that, that the judgment is now I guess well you know from the, the Christian point of view you look at what Jesus told us you know heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away and I think there's uh, a little clue in there if, if what we know physically is going to uh, be rendered you know unusable there's got to be somewhere else and that's talked about more in Revelation with you know the New Jerusalem coming down and I think that's where um, you know okay. those that are that are saved will have entry to and Chuck Missler uh, had an interesting talk about hypercubes and, uh, oh, I heard that. Yes, and folks, if you haven't heard that now, uh, again, this is this is intellectual discussion. So, you know, folks, don't freak out. You know about talking about biblical physics, but, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about flatland for a minute. That brings it down a few dimensions, so it might be easy to understand. Flatland is two dimensional, like a sheet of paper. And say there are these creatures in flatland. They know forward, backward, left, right, but they can't understand up and down. And if you take a sphere and start passing it through that sheet of paper, all of a sudden the circle appears to them. They have no idea where it's coming from, no idea where it's going. And, you know, of course, people that witness this are considered crazy. Right. And we're used to three dimensions, and our minds really can't, you know, handle anything above that 
because we, we don't have any frame of reference to <laughs> to use on it. Sure. So these hypercubes you know, has this extra dimension or dimensions that we don't know about. And if you bring that into our universe, it looks like a cube. And that, you know, would resemble what we see in Revelation. It gives you the dimensions. It's humongous. So, um, again, you know, the Bible says, you know, nobody gets to the Father except by Jesus. So if you're, you know, a, a body of the believers and um, the way it reads to me, if you are into this new Jerusalem, this cube, um, then to me it seems logical that uh, you know that cube is then taken out of this universe and uh, woe be unto you if you're not on board. See, you just turned doom born into um, salvation. I mean, into something happy. Not, not you know. I, I mean, for the believers, the body of the church, the body of the the remnant, the believers, the pe- the people who understand what's going on, and uh, to all members of our audience, you know, the, rejoice because this is we will be, uh, we will be. I, I mean, we rejoice because time is short. Uh, j- just even though we're going to have some bumps, some bruises. Obviously, it's going to be a bumpy road one heck of a ride I mean we all should rejoice because we know where we're headed and don't forget folks we're spiritual beings with a with a, with, a, with an earthly body not the other way around so God bless you for kind of framing it that way amidst all the doom we have hope and I feel sorry for people that don't have faith because even the people that have faith are going to have a rough time yeah, yeah, and I understand that, and it's going to be, you know, we deal, and I hear from so many people who are just so afraid, and I think that's, you know what, John, and again, folks, we're just having a conversation, our guest is John Reagan, his website, thefinancialstateoftheunion.com, he certainly didn't sign up for this uh, uh, this conversation, but, but we're glad to have him for it, um, you know, I, I just see so many people who are who are saying, oh, my goodness, you know, we can't talk about this because it, it has a lot of, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's we, we needn't talk about this. It's, it scares people unnecessarily. It frightens people. I, I feel sorry for those people who look at the situation in that fashion because they're not rooted, to me, they're not rooted deeply in their faith. And you know what? I was like that probably 10, 15 years ago, uh, frankly, okay? I mean, I, I didn't understand the larger picture as I do now. So, Again, rejoice, folks, because uh, you were born for this time. You've got a job to do. We all have jobs to do, our heavenly tasks. And uh, there's no time for you to be afraid. And, and there's no need for you to be afraid, especially if you believe as we believe. I mean, if you believe that uh, in salvation and in our Lord and Savior, then, then, of course, we know where we're going. I mean, what are they going to do to you here? You know, in your skin suit, in your flesh suit, nothing. I mean, what can they do? We know where we're headed with our resurrection bodies and such. And I and I take a lot of comfort in that. What's the worst that can, what can happen to you? They're going to kill you? You know, I mean, they, meaning the globalists. So maybe I'm making too light of it, and I guess and I don't want to dominate the conversation. But, but again, you know, anyone who says, well, this is just unnecessarily scaring people, man, is your faith that fragile? But anyway, John, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Interesting, interesting stuff. Um, 
Did we miss anything about Fukushima that you want to share? Anything more? Uh, um, well, that could, like I said, that one could go on for hours, too. Well, let me make another jump. <laughs> uh, they had WrestleMania here in Dallas over the weekend at AT&T Stadium. The largest WrestleMania crowd ever, 101,000 people. And, you know, you, you look at where we were, you know, a couple of weekends ago. Less than 1% of the people that went to WrestleMania is what we had at the Hear the Watchman conference. Can you imagine what this country would be like if we had 101,000 screaming fans for Jesus? You know, we, we just might see a revival then. Yeah. And, and how many people at that WrestleMania event um, uh, you know, when you look back and you look, it's kind of like when I when I when I was flying back, and and I don't like to fly because of the TSA, but I'm flying back and I'm looking out the window, John. I'm looking at this huge country, and it's it's from that view that I like to look at things because you get a bigger picture. You can see, you know, cities and and. You see things a lot clearer from 35,000 feet than you can, you know, at, at ground level. So having said that, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just imagine how many of those people that went to that WrestleMania event are informed or are they just deceived, deceived and distracted? Hmm. Well, I remember how it was first described to me back in the nineties, uh, during the early Clinton administration. It's three words that actually come from the Roman Empire, bread and circuses. That's right. So, yep. so, so long as people have something to eat, whether it's good for them or not, and so long as they have entertainment, and boy, with the, entertain, the Internet, do we have all kinds of entertainment, uh, you can pretty much do what you want to with the people. And, and we're seeing that, John, we're seeing that in this election cycle. I truly believe... This election business, twenty four seven. That's all you hear about Trump, Kasich, and uh, Cruz, and Clinton and Sanders. And I, folks, I truly believe too that we're going to see a big surprise coming this uh, this summer. And I don't think the the uh, I don't think what we're seeing right now is actually what we're going to get on the other side of the conventions this summer. And if we make it that far. Which kind of is a nice segue, kind of circles back around. John, I mean, um, why have, why hasn't the economy collapsed yet? Yeah. You know, <laughs> is it because they haven't, why haven't well, it collapsed yet? The, the short answer is they don't want it to yet. And when you look back, people have been saying since the 80s that, you know, the economy is going to collapse. And the reason that it hasn't until now is that we're in a position that's never happened before in the world in that every currency is fiat currency, meaning that it's monopoly money, it's paper. Uh, the, the way the, the government describes it, the dollar is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. And that's actually one of the true statements they make, because what's faith? You believe in it. So long as you believe the dollar has value, it has value. The other side of that is credit. That's not the same thing as debt. You have to think like a credit line. 
your credit line can be cut off, it can be reduced. But as long as people are willing to lend you money, then you've got credit. So our dollar, truthfully, is backed by faith and credit. What about the petrodollar, though? What about oil? I mean, or when I say petrodollar, what about the um, the military ability, the military to make sure the oil oil flow? That, oil that's flows. part of that, that's part of the picture of why we haven't collapsed. Um, when the petroleum producing countries start accepting, and this already started, but not full force yet, accepting other currency and gold in exchange for oil. That's when our dollar, you know, at least 50% overnight, losing the value. It's something we haven't had to deal with because in our lives, oil has always been priced in dollars, which has been our currency. Every other country has had to exchange their currency into dollars to get oil. That's going to change. And there's also been this debt because that there's been no reckoning there's been no tie to anything natural and, and I'd, I'd have to uh, uh, I, this is one of the the resource links for today the uh, return to the yellow brick road what it would take to return to a gold standard and what that would mean for either the price of gold or the value of currency and um, you know <laughs> it's probably well beyond what you think it would be. I don't have time before the break to to walk you through that one. No, but I think maybe we you might want to touch on that on the other side. Yeah, it, folks, stay yeah. with us. We're talking with author John Reagan, and much more than, than an author. He's an all-around nice guy. He's got an MBA, MBA, and despite that, we can understand them, okay? <laughs> he also hosts the show on usapreparers.com radio um, at 10 a.m. Central Time on Monday morning. Yeah, he's an instructor with Vince Minnelli. Vince Minnelli is a, is a great guy. He's a great radio talk radio host. Yeah, we he's one of the instructors. Yeah, yeah. And he, well, let me just correct you a bit. I, I'm guest, occasional guest host, and that's at 9 o'clock Central Time, 9 to 11. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can't tell time here. See, the real time is Eastern time. Everything else is just kind of, you know, it's not the real time. That's that's how we look at things. But, uh, yeah, you do a good job, and, and your segments are always popular. You talk about the economy and all kinds of fun things like that. And despite the, the, the dullity, <laughs> despite how dull numbers could be uh, in your book, and I've got to give you a lot of credit. The Financial State of the Union, book one. You really make it come alive and make it understandable. Folks, go to Amazon. The Financial State of the Union, book one, Unspinning the Spin by John Reagan. Definitely add it to your library. Stay with us. We'll be right back for our third and final hour on this Monday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report with our guest, Mr. John Reagan. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 
treat your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our special guest tonight, John Reagan, R-A-G-A-N, in case you want to know how to spell his last name, M-B-A, G-G, great guy. Um, actually, uh, John Reagan is the author of The Financial State of the Union. Visit his website, thefinancialstateoftheunion.com, and also go to Amazon where you can buy his book, The Financial State of the Union, Book One, Unspinning the Spin, Revealing the Condition We're In. Do you notice that little, little, little rhyme there? Huh? He was a poet. Uh, he's also a poet, I should say. And, uh, we're talking about a number of different things, and we're, we're kind of like letting the Spirit, Holy Spirit guide us into topics, because we didn't plan on talking about really Fukushima necessarily, or, or anything we're talking about, but isn't it interesting how we just, Pull up a chair to the table. And that's what we're asking you to do. If you're if you're listening to us at home, pull up a chair. Join us at the table. If you're listening to us in your cruiser, we have many, many police officers listening to us. Uh, I want to say just be careful out there. And thank you for listening. Thank you for what you do, putting our life on the line. Uh, I actually heard from a fire fireman who listens in the station where he's at, and that, and he and he's in Idaho. Um, numerous people all across the globe. Thank you so much for tuning in. A couple of things before we get back to our very special guest. Folks, visit AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. You're going to need to prepare. Prepare for what? Prepare for anything, supply disruptions. I mean, you name it. And if you don't believe you, you need it, well, leave it for someone who does. AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. They have the, really, in my, in my view, the best freeze-dried long-term storable food around they really do, and they've got some great packages. It's a Christian-owned, veteran-owned business, and also healthmasters.com. Now, healthmasters, really, to me, they've got the greatest supplements, dietary supplements, nutritional supplements in the world. You compare it side by side. Even the, um, I mean, even the appearance is different than this, the drugstore brand and, and even other nutritional uh, supplements. They use the highest quality ingredients, non-GMO, uh, the source, sourcing out non-GMO sources. 
that was a question that came up uh, in uh, in during our conversation with Ted. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the common common sense show from last night, uh, Ted Brower is on talking about the occult nature of nine eleven. Very interesting, very interesting topic with Dave Hodges. And I had the opportunity to listen and also talk with Dave and talk to Ted yesterday. Very interesting indeed. And this kind of overlaps. And again, you think you know stuff, and you do. Our audience is the smartest in the world, I bar none. And um, I know you know this, but when you start connecting the dots, it becomes a lot clearer, especially at cruising altitude. Before we get back to our guest, I want to mention, again, while you're at Amazon.com, definitely uh, get, uh, as, as I said, The Financial State of the Union by John Reagan. Uh like the like to bump uh, that book up uh, too, because you know it, it's when when you look at when you look at what's important out there, um, things like this to me are important because there's some interesting. I mean, and John writes, I read his book in one sitting. Uh, it, it's that good, okay. And to me, if I can read a book on the economy in one sitting. Then, then I went back, of course, read it in more detail and took notes. But having said that, um, it's really, uh, I think, a treasure to have, an important part of your library. And while you're at Amazon, uh, go ahead and order Stained by Blood. Thank you for doing so. And if if you did order it and read it, then uh, any honest review is helpful. And notice I said honest. If you think it, you know. Uh, stunk on ice. Well, just say, hey man, it stunk. But, uh, uh, very important part of my life. And uh, the reason I brought that up again is because, uh, through a mix up, I do have a limited quantity of books. If you want, you can go to stainedbyblood.com. And, uh, I don't know how, how long this is going to last, but I'll sign it for you. I'll personalize it for you and send it out to you. Um, that's stainedbyblood.com. And up in the right hand side, it, tells you what to do there's a button there you can buy now and then just tell me how you want to me to personalize it for you or if you don't want me to deface it at all and uh we can go from there so it's uh so, but i want to just want to thank everyone for listening and thanks for being part of our extended family and again don't fear the information embrace it and, and, and uh, understand it and know that we are in fact uh going to be well we're saved you know that's the important part tonight we're talking with author John Reagan, author and speaker and much more. His website is thefinancialstateoftheunion.com thefinancialstateoftheunion.com Also, the title of his book, The Financial State of the Union. Uh, it's a great read. I would urge anybody who can get their hands on it. Give Go to it Amazon. Get yeah. it. Grab it. Definitely. It. Uh, we talked a lot about, we talked about a lot of things, Mr. Reagan. In the first two hours, from Fukushima to the, uh, you know, gross domestic product and the, uh, how they manipulate the numbers here in the United States, we're seeing, um, something in history, something that we have not seen throughout history, which is the difference in the value of the dollar versus commodity prices. The difference in gold and silver, the, you know, they talk about the ratio. Uh, 15 to 1 is a historical reference for gold and silver, and I believe it's up between 50 and 60 to 1 now. Um, where is all this headed as far as commodities are concerned? Uh, it, it's been absolutely insane what we've seen. And uh, reminds me of a time uh, I've given a presentation at the Get Prepared Expo, 
and afterward, this guy comes up and tells me he's got uh, some money that he uh, wants to put away, and uh, should he buy gold or silver? And I turned around and gave him a, a four-letter answer: salt. Hmm. Say what? And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. Salt like, you know, salt and pepper? Salt? Yeah. All right. And, and it was, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, the, the next book I had planned on publishing uh, was to be called The Unprepared Prepper. And when I had made this announcement at the, the meetup that Vincent has, uh, I, I wasn't able to watch his face, but Becky <laughs> was in position to. And I get up there and I say, you know, Unless you have at least a ton of salt, you're not a prepper. And it, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you could just see a click. And where I came up with that value from, let's just say you had a small herd of cows, you know, ten cows. Each cow needs twenty pounds of salt a year. That's two hundred pounds of salt a year. Wait a minute. You mean to cook them and, and eat them? No, for them to survive. Okay. Salt used to be worth more than gold, or at least the same as. All we right. have, we're, we're able to easily mine it today. But salt mines in ancient times, or you had to get uh, water out of the sea and get sea salt. And without salt, you uh, it's a critical electrolyte. You, you could die. There's other salts that are important too, like potassium and magnesium. But uh, okay, All right. you know, in today's you know processed food, we get too much salt, and you know, technically, there's you know, if you got the chemistry background, there's a number of different kinds of salt in our everyday vernacular. Salt is sodium chloride, the table salt, and you're actually better off getting. Uh, one of the mined salts from ancient beds, whether it's the real salt, which is out of the United States, or the Himalayan sea salt, and that has other minerals in it. All right. But the, the no. point is, is that once the supply chain goes down, you're not going to have the processed food, and you're not going to have the easy access to salt. So if you want something that's really going to be worth a lot, stock up on salt, even if it's the junk salt. Interesting. So, so okay, okay. Just, just so I'm clear on this, um, wait until I tell my wife. Hey, look, we need to make room uh, for a ton of salt, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, she's gonna just think I lost my mind. Okay, so, so just so I'm clear, um, salt being a nutrient that will not or a, a mineral, I guess that won't be available come the supply disruptions, and it's going to be a necessary. Uh, Component to things, right? I mean, or for things, and I, I guess the expression "worth is worth worth is salt" maybe has some exactly. Okay. And huh. unless you're fortunate enough to live by a, a salt mine that you could have access to um, afterwards, and has salt that could be retrieved from it, uh, and I mean, even the ancient ways, if you live. Uh, you know, close to the coast, which you know, large percentage of the population do. The waters are so polluted now that you don't even want the sea salt. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, when so, the, you can't even eat the fish out of the area, what would you want with the, the water that they die in? I mean, it's definitely, um, you know, with genetically modified foods, the poison in the air, the water, the food, it is uh, dire times we live in, which leads me to my next question and, and series of questions for you, Mr. Reagan. The TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the, this latest trade pact uh, that we've signed, I believe, with 12 nations, how bad was the gutting of the manufacturing sector, sector here in America with NAFTA, and how bad or how much worse will it be under the TPP? <laughs> There's so many so many balls in the air. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm old enough to remember, uh, you know, the Ed Sullivan show, and every so often they'd have these guys come on that would, or this guy that would come on, and he'd uh, put these plates on poles and spin them around, and uh, he'd get, uh, you know, two or three dozen up there, and you're just waiting for him to crash down. Uh, that, that's kind of like trying to uh, uh, say what's going on with the economy. And Yes, when you look back at uh, things like NAFTA and GATT, what that did was it, it destroyed so much manufacturing in the United States and moved it you know, first to Mexico, then that labor got too expensive, and you know, they moved to China, and now you know, China's getting to be expensive. So now what they're doing is moving it to robots. And this is going to be an interesting uh, <laughs> path that we go down uh, should we get to continue going down that way, is that so many of the jobs that are uh, done by people today, including those fast food workers that are celebrating the $15 minimum wage, uh, it's all going to be done with robots. We're seeing manufacturing coming back to the United States, but most of the manufacturing is being done by robots. And it's going to be scarier because the, the thought is that your professional type people are going to be exempt, but these new artificial intelligences are learning so quickly on their own that they will be able to replace very highly educated and skilled jobs, including medical doctors, CPAs, bookkeepers, <laughs> uh, attorneys, and why don't we just go ahead and, and, and throw in government while we're at it, because, you know, only the, the artificial intelligence can be fair. You know, and, and, of course, we also have an artificial intelligence saying that uh, they would kill humans. Not scary at all. You know, why, why not? <laughs> not, not? Not concerning. Yeah. <laughs> that would get a little bit rid of a lot of the problems. Uh, but you, you look at all of the law... Uh, I, I told you during break, you know, uh, we talked about CPAs. The tax code by itself is seven times the size of the Bible. Last I saw a stat on it. That doesn't even include all the case law and everything else that goes in it. There is no CPA that can come close to understanding all of that. But an artificial intelligence can. And Think about that. Then there's the doctor side. You know, the, the, the doctors are great for diagnosing. They're not so great for treating, especially chronic conditions. They're, they're great for trauma care. But 
when it comes to diagnosing, and then of course the insurance companies tell you what you can prescribe, you know, the artificial intelligence would be able to even access more than a doctor can, can remember. It doesn't have to worry about continuing education every so often because it's continuing, continually updating. And, and I can give you a stat from a Watson commercial that <laughs> might disturb your sleep patterns as well. And Go for it. Yeah, let, let's hear I, it. I, I, I'll, I'll have, <laughs> I'd have to pull it up. I got it in a spreadsheet somewhere. But it, it's a horrendous number of pages, uh, millions of pages a day. Might even be more than billions of pages a day that it can read. So, so I, I don't know. even think Ted Brewer can read that fast. <laughs> you know, I, I've got one of those photographic memories that just didn't develop. <laughs> All right, you're a comedian you, too. You, you, need, you need to have that rim shot ready, and uh, you need to be old enough to remember when uh, we had film. But uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> Uh, so, you think about these doctor AIs that have all this medical knowledge, but one of the things that doctors can't do is they can't keep track of what's going on in, uh, around the community or around the state or other communities. But this Internet-connected artificial intelligence can start seeing patterns of a, an outbreak before, you know, practically immediately. It would take weeks or months for reports to catch up in our human world, but not in the artificial intelligence world. You know, I've I've heard growing up, John. Oh, we're going to be replaced by robots, but now it's true. I mean, it was now it's even more true, I guess. And like I said, because they're they're training themselves now, you're going to see that happen in the professional side much sooner than anybody expected and to a higher degree than anybody expected. Okay. So AI, as discussed by Billy Billy Crone here, Pastor Billy Crone, it's common. It's here. It's here. And again, this is what we know about. We have no idea what they've got in the black ops area. Man, you know... Pretty witty stuff. All right. Well, let, let me sit, take a side trip before we get out of time here, because I, I, I Wednesday night I was listening to uh, that show, and you had a caller that was suffering from depression. Right. Now, I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV, but I got the T-shirt that says, I survived antidepressants. Mm. And there's a, a doctor here locally, uh, Jerry Tennant. And boy, could I, I talk a lot about his experience. He's uh, a world-class ophthalmologist. And they they didn't tell him back when they were doing the, the laser eye surgery that those viruses that are on the eye uh, would go right through the surgical mask and uh, be inhaled. And he picked up a a couple of severe infections uh, to his brain and spleen. Wow. It, it got so bad that, uh, you know, he could uh, diagnose a person but not remember how to write a prescription. And he also started developing tremors, which is not a good thing if you're operating inside somebody's eyeball. 
<laughs> no, no. And his uh, blood work uh, degraded to a point that suggested that he would be dead. Uh, in, I think it was within a couple of months. This was back in 1999. And all of his medical uh, school training had failed him. And there's a nice story to you know, how he found ways of treating that. And uh, he's got a book out, Healing His Voltage, which describes the electrical nature of our body. And uh, when you get down to it, voltage is just another uh, indicator. And whether you're talking about voltage, pH, or oxygen, in essence, you're measuring the same thing. But I, I, I don't want to <laughs> digress down there. I got a chance to uh, uh, use his services, and very first time, he, <laughs> he hands this uh, nearly 100-page booklet, including bibliographies, um, healing with freshman medical school physiology. And part of that talks about uh, the importance of vitamins and minerals. Now, when you're looking at brain chemicals, serotonin is the big one. That's what's really linked with depression. And he also lists the, what you need for dopamine and norepinephrine. For serotonin, First, you've got to have the protein L-tryptophan to build off of. Right. Now, if you're not getting enough of that in your diet, you know, chicken's a pretty good source. Uh, fortunately, that supplement's available again. It got banned for a few years because there was a bad batch and I think, you know, half full of people died. So you can, you can take that, but there's eight other vitamins and minerals that you need in order to make serotonin. And the order that these are listed in, folate, calcium, iron, vitamin B3, zinc, vitamin B6, magnesium, and vitamin C. Now, it was interesting, Dr. Brewer happened to be talking about uh, the link of B vitamins and depression on his Sunday night show. And, of course, he's got those good uh, methylated version of, of vitamin B that... Um, <laughs> I think it's in over half the yeah. people can't, can't absorb vitamin D, and this isn't the methylated form. Right, uh, and that's important to know. I, I, th- thanks for th- th- thanks for mentioning that because uh, would you take that with magnesium, right? Uh, vitamin D three or whatever he was talking about? Because I heard the right. same show. Yeah, okay, All right. And uh, of course, we, you know, he's, he's talked a lot about magnesium. And you really have to do that topically because if you try to take uh, enough of it to absorb by mouth, uh, uh, well, let's just say uh, you'll be spending some time in the bathroom sitting down. Uh-huh. Now for uh, dopamine and norepinephrine, it's similar. The, the protein, uh, I hate these mile-long names, uh, L-phenylalanine. Uh, and it, for the most part, it needs the same folate, iron, zinc, magnesium. Uh, it requires copper instead of um, uh, zinc. No, zinc's there. Da, da, da. Vitamin B3, B6, and C. Um, it requires the uh, copper instead of calcium. That's, that's the difference between the two. So if you're deficient in one or more of those, you can't make the chemicals your brain needs. And, you know, <laughs> when you go to a doctor and you have your five minutes with them, if you're lucky to get that much time, you know, how much time do you spend talking about 
your diet and what nutrition you're getting. Yeah. So in That's addition true. to that, yeah. in addition to that, uh, you know, omega three is critical because we get you know, too many omega-6, that's the vegetable oil, and not enough good omega-3, which is from fish, and also it's available in, you know, uh, grass-fed animals. So if you get beef that, you know, it's grass-fed instead of corn-fed, you get uh, omega-3s, uh, free-range eggs, real ones, not the the ones where they get to go outside three feet. Uh, right. You know, those eggs are good sources of omega-3. And... Um, in fact, there was an article, you know, sunshine and fresh air helps too. And of course, sunshine is the natural way of getting vitamin D. And like he says, if, uh, if you don't get that, then you do the D3. And it's important to do the K2 along with it. Now, uh, one of my cohorts on USA Prepares is Dr. Norm Sheely. This guy was a neurosurgeon. Uh, <laughs> in fact, uh, he got on the wrong side of the uh, the powers that be so much that they published this obituary in the paper as a warning. You know, I hate when that happens. You wake up on a Sunday morning, you open the paper, and there's your name, you know, right there in the old bits. I don't like that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, I, I have, as an, <laughs> as an investigator, and you'd think that, uh, uh, John, you'd think that there would be... Um, well, there are, I, I believe now 99% of the, the publications have, have ways of verification. But uh, I actually saw that happen back in the 80s uh, to two separate individuals where their obituary was published before their, they passed. And, when, of course, they weren't even sick. But it was a method of harassment that was done. So, yeah, I mean, okay. So it does happen. Hmm. And you, you might not know the name Dr. Sheely. But he is the doctor that invented the TENS unit. Ah, I've got one of those. So, uh, he's, uh, he's an interesting character too. And one of the things that he does is he recommends taking the D3, uh, once a week, if you're an adult, uh, using the 50,000 unit, uh, D3 and, and, because it's less expensive than buying the the lower dosage and taking you know like five thousand every day. Well, you equated this with initially with uh, depression. What what are we looking at here? Is is this some sort of uh, are you saying depression is more of a, a vitamin mineral deficiency in your view, or uh, at least in my case, and I would think in a lot of people's cases because. You just look at the building blocks and, you know, just magnesium alone, how many people are deficient in magnesium? And if you're deficient in magnesium, you're not going to be making serotonin. If you're not making serotonin, you're going to be depressed. Good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can see. Okay, I can see where that, that, that all interconnects. Interesting. So back in 99, I had a really bad time, and I was on these antidepressants, and it was so bad. My goal for the day was just to make it through the day. That, that, that's how bad the experience was. But I got myself off of those, and at the time, I was mostly just concentrating on uh, tryptophan and, um, and omega-3s. 
and, and that worked wonders. You know, I later found out about being deficient in vitamin D, and more recently about the magnesium, which uh, you know helped with cramps that I was having as well. So, wow. I, I just wanted to bring that to the forefront, uh, saying that if you're one of those out there and you're having problems, you know, you might have to go back to the archive to get the list. Uh, if if you examine your diet and and you don't have those, or in the case of the B vitamins, you might need to get those methylated B vitamins so that your body can use them. You know, try that out first and see if it helps you. Thanks for that information. And this, folks, spoken from a uh, patient, victim, whatever you want to call, whatever term you want to use, uh, but one who's got the experience. So that's very interesting. All right. Wow. So you you, you asked a question back in hour one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Speaking of the- depression. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. uh, unfortunately, vitamin D is not going to help uh, our debt situation. Um, you, you ask, how much time do we have? Right. And when I uh, was originally giving the presentations and writing the book, my answer was, well, I hope we have at least two or three years that we can use to get ready. But they can crash at any time they want to. And all they would have to do is raise the interest rates back to normal. And that's, say, the 5% range. And I've seen people say, it doesn't even have to be raised that much. You can just raise it to 3%, and that's it. But Mm. that kind of leaves open, okay, let's say they keep playing this game. Uh, they keep keep kicking the can down the road, and I I was reading uh, uh, a, a banker commenting on this about kicking the can down the road until we kick the can uh, or kick the bucket. <laughs> kick the bucket. That's yeah. <laughs> and sorry, I uh, started off with the IRS tax stats that I talked about earlier, and that's a pretty good representation of of how much income we have. The one area where I needed to add a little to it is, uh, for example, when you're on Social Security, you don't necessarily make enough money to file a return. So what I did is I upped the Social Security amount to match what the government paid in Social Security. So I, so I actually upped that, and I looked at the, the recent growth rate on that. And then I took two other numbers. One was government spending. And unless they're borrowing, they have to to get that from taxes. And I looked at that growth rate in the short term. And then I looked at our debt. Now, you commonly hear about the $19 trillion in federal debt. Sure. That's the tip of the iceberg. And... (laughs) um, <laughs> we really no. need to go, go through the financial system of the union to build this up. But when I did this calculation, total U.S. debt, which is government debt at all levels, corporate debt, and private debt, what people owe, totaled $60 trillion, or near $60 trillion. We do have good numbers on how much interest is paid. So I know the interest, and I have to be careful there because 
government spending includes interest payments, so I have to subtract out what government spending on interest, so I don't double count that. Strangely, I, I understood what you just said. Okay, <laughs> go on, go ahead. And the thing is, is that uh, you know, with the exception of uh, the, the federal government, where they just recycle the debt, uh, the, the rest of us in real life, we have to make some payment towards the principal. Right. So I used a number of three percent, which I think is low, and you know, I try to, uh, I, I try to uh, be conservative on that, and. Uh, <laughs> The bad news is, if I'm, if it's more what I think it is, then we end up having less time. So wh- when you take the amount of interest plus three percent of that sixty trillion, uh, that's what our current level was. And I went back, and uh, it turns out that debt and government spending were growing around the same pace. So I, I put that on a graph. Just I added the two items of debt service and government spending. That was one line. Then I took income and had that increasing at its rate. And those two lines crossed in 2020, meaning that debt service and government spending was more than what the entire country makes. Hmm. Now, that told me, and I did this calculation uh, a couple of weeks before uh, the Get Prepared Expo uh, was that last year no the year before and you, you could hear it uh, in my voice I was just so disturbed about this number because it, it points out that we don't have tons of time they can't push this off a decade I don't know what tricks they might be able to pull but you know, they've tried zero interest rates, and that hasn't worked. And the only way they can get zero interest rates, to, or actually negative interest rates even, to work is to go to a cashless society, because when they go negative, what they did in Japan is they bought safes and put in large denomination bills. So Right, right. So, okay. Now, that is a, a very simplistic model. That just includes two expenditure items. It doesn't include things like food or sh- well, shelter's kind of in there because um, whether you're paying rent or uh, a mortgage, a good bulk of that's in the debt service, so a fair amount of that's in there. Um, medical expenses isn't in there. Transportation, you know, th- those little things. So if you really want to try and, and build a, a, a you know a better model. You can include those. But I was just trying to get a rough idea. So if that is kind of the the end line, we look at history. Uh, for example, uh, the Weimar Republic. At the point that things became unhinged, up until the point where you see that you know hockey stick move up uh, and you have that crash, that takes about, you know, three to four years to happen, at least in those days. In these computer-driven 24-hour, seven-day-a-week economy that we have, I think that's going to be compressed down a little bit. So I was looking at that, and this was 2015 at the time, and 2020, so 
I'm thinking maybe we can get halfway there, which would be, you know, 2017 and a half. All right. Well, if it takes three years for that, the, the end to happen, I back up three years, and now we're looking at 2014 and a half. What were things looking like in mid-2014? That's when we started seeing all this deflation and negative interest rates. That was the start of it, basically, right? I mean, that's, that, that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm believing that's the unhitching point, and we're now in that point of of the process where we're going to have an increasing rate of increasing pain. That's never a good thing, but okay, uh, okay. And I think part of the reason that we haven't seen more things happen right now because the way the year started you remember how the stock market crashed and then yep. it looked at like gold and silver was going to take off and it's all been kept under control and I think the reason for that is that if they let things get bad right now that's going to hand things over to Trump which is the last thing that they want so what my prediction hmm. has been is that I think we're probably going to be okay through the conventions. You know, whoever wins it, I can't tell you, but I, I think they're going to try and keep things uh, at least enough normalcy that people um, won't just flock flock to Trump and you know mess up their plans. Okay. However, once we get on the other side of the convention. To me, all bets are off, and what disturbs me on that, a couple of articles I saw last week. Uh, one, we had Obama talking about how bad it would be if we had a nuclear terrorist attack. I saw that. The other came from Dick Cheney, talking about how um, he expects us to see another event that's worse than 9-11 soon. So you have uh, people from high positions, both sides of the aisle, um, saying some things that uh, I really wish they weren't saying right now. Yeah. The, the Dick Cheney quote is kind of troubling, um, thinking how he was part of PNAC, which talked about needing a crisis like another Pearl Harbor before 9-11 happened. Now, uh, John, I'm going to put you against the wall here and... and uh Walk us through your best guess scenario, if you don't mind. And I know you don't have a crystal ball. We're we're all looking at at this, wondering what's going to happen. But okay, so, so here we are, plumping along, and we get to the uh, conventions. Let's start there. You think Trump is going to get the nomination? No, I'm just again, we're just talking. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this week with the uh, release of the D.C. Madams records. Hmm. Yeah. Because because if, if that throws Cruz into a negative light, then it's quite possible that Trump could have um, more than enough delegates, even with all the shenanigans the Republicans have been playing, that he would get the nomination on the first ballot. Okay. And John, not to interrupt your train of thought, but there was an article from the Daily Mail today which said that Cruz 
had his number. His number was listed in the D.C. Madams Black Book, but they're going to say that you know the records go back to the 1990s, early 90s before he was married. So there. Now, might- Wiki, Wiki, WikiLeaks updated that. Um, I saw something with WikiLeaks where they his number was there. Uh, I don't want to say I, I don't I don't remember the time frame, but it was more recent. Okay. Well, it would be interesting to see. I mean, it was picked up in, by the European uh, publication, so it would be interesting to see how the American media plays this with yeah. Cruz. Well, or if they just stay silent and the rest of us have to uh, report what's going on. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you see in the Republican Democrat? Who do you see facing off against one another? Because I, I don't believe it's going to be Trump and, and Clinton. I believe it's going to be Clinton and... Well, it, it depends on uh, our first black communist female president. And I'm not talking about uh, Barry Satoro. I'm talking about Valerie Jarrett. Because... <laughs> You know, Barry is just the empty suit that they walk out there. He's an expert in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. That's why he talks the way he does to hypnotize people. And exactly. He, you know, he does a great job at that. But, you know, he has no real interest in being president except for, you know, the, the freebies that he gets. Valerie Jarrett has done an excellent job behind the scenes of pulling all the strings. You know, born in Iran to communist parents, you know, even though they were U.S. citizens. You know, she's definitely not eligible to be president. Uh, uh, that's a whole nother rabbit trail. Uh, yeah, but, 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 but she certainly, you know, her influence is there. She, she's the one, like I said, pulling all the strings, and if she doesn't want Hillary to get the nomination, she's not going to get the nomination. Uh, I... Whether or not she gets indicted, that's still a little bit up in the air. Uh, you know, they they brought in Loretta Lynch. You know, ties with Clinton. Uh, before all this really started hitting the fan, uh, you saw where uh, uh, Bill and Hillary met with uh, you know the golfer in chief uh, thing was up in New England. So I, you know, like I say, unless the the, the Jared Obama camp, you know, wants to take Hillary down. I think Hillary is is no doubt going to be the nominee uh, because no matter what happens, I mean, they you could have we've read that uh, if they don't indict, a whole bunch of FBI agents are going to resign, and that doesn't matter because the people that support Hillary don't care what she does. It doesn't matter to them that she's a witch or how many people's been killed. You know, right. she's, for, she's for gay rights and abortion and everything else that they are. <laughs> All right. So, so we, we have, we have uh, Kankle, or Hillary on the, on the left now. Any, 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 what are your thoughts on the right? Well, the, uh, if, if it's a brokered convention, anything can go. Uh, they could give it to Jeb. Um, we've also seen. I'm telling you, man, John, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm telling you, I really believe it's going to be a Hillary Bush race. I don't know why. My wife thinks I need psychological counseling, but that's you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, it could be. We've also seen where um, 
the, the filing's been made with the FEC to uh, revive the, the Romney-Ryan ticket. Yep. Um, we, we'll see shortly how this plays out with Cruz, and um, I don't have time to try and chase it down, but I was reading where uh, up until 1977, the way Canadian law was, you could not be a dual citizen. So in that case, uh, Cruz would have been a Canadian citizen, not a dual citizen, and he's actually a, a one of them illegal aliens. Mm-hmm. Well, who in the world cares? Because we gave the imprimatur the okay to Barry Satoro when everyone, John, and this really riles me, this gets my goat, because everybody on the right, the conservatives, the Limbaugh's, the Hannity's, the Levin's, Mark Levin, and, and, and the, the, these boards and all these conservatives saying, you know what? Oh, let's not worry about this pesky little constitutional issue of eligibility, Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution. No, no, no. That's okay. We're going to worry about it because that's a distraction. Everything's a flipping distraction, right? And, and, and so now, 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 oh, let's not worry about Cruz's eligibility or even Rubio. We know neither one are eligible based on Article One, Section Two of the Constitution of the United States, meaning that you have to be a natural-born citizen. And we're still talking about this. And we have been, you know, what, folks, our our punishment for not dealing with this. Set eight years ago is exactly what we got today, and thank you very much. Uh, every single cons- every single conservative who kept their mouth shut and wouldn't say a word, the blood is on your hands, if not more, just as much as it is on the Marxist, Lenin, or Marxist, communist, progressive, Fabian, socialist uh, people out there. All right, I had my rant for tonight. Go ahead, John. <laughs> well, you know, we are in the political season that. Reminds me of uh, a story, you know. At least it used to be this way, where you know kids were read a bedtime story uh, before they went to sleep, and so one evening uh, after the story's read, little Johnny looks up and says, "Grandma, do all fairy tales begin with once upon a time?" And she said, "No, dear. Sometimes they begin with if elected, I promise." <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh gosh, that's, that's sad. Joe, we only have uh, about eight minutes left until the close. If we can jump to this topic next, uh, globalization of the economy. You mentioned the ca- cashless society. Um, what are we looking at here? Are we looking at a collapse followed by a cashless merger of economies, or are we looking at a a consolidation before a crash. Okay, the the, the short answer is, <laughs> and this depends on whether or not World War III ends first, because so many things can happen. But say we go down, we have the financial collapse. Well, what normally happens after a financial collapse of this nature is war. And we've got so many great toys to play war with now. <laughs> and I know you've talked a bit about EMP, and it, it doesn't even take that much. I could tell you about how you could take, you know, a, a dozen off-the-shelf, you know, low-wind, you know, drones and take down the power grid. And <laughs> once the power grid goes down, and I don't have time to develop this number for you, 
but it's a 99.5% fatality rate. And it's not going to take anywhere near a year for that to happen. And that's the happy path. Because if we end up on the other side of the financial collapse, we don't have that war, and our technology remains in place, that's where it becomes really nightmarish, especially if you're, you know, like me, you know, I'm a, a, a Christian, a veteran, I believe in the Constitution. Not only that, I get on the radio and talk about it. What do you think my life expectancy is going to be? <laughs> um, yeah, both of us. You know, and, wow. and I would need some time to, to develop what that type of world looks like because you don't even get to do things like barter anymore because everything is so controlled. And to to go into that world world currency where practically everybody has a phone nowadays where that would work as a means of support and, and then I can get into uh, uh, Mark of the Beast type stuff where I, I really believe that the RFID chip and tattoos are just red herrings now. Uh, because those are so easy to fake. You know, tattoo, I mean, you could print something to fake out a scanner. And RFID, you can clone the, the number off of it. And, you know, you can't use that for any kind of secure transaction or, you know, entry to buildings or anything. So right. I believe the real mark comes in with the biometrics. And I've clipped a couple of articles along the way where if you, if you look at how the computer would do that, you know, with the, the veins in the hand or how it uh, basically puts a mask over the face, uh, drawing, uh, connecting parts and measuring it. And when I look at that, you know, you've got a mark and it does look kind of beast-like because it's more natural because it's using biometrics. So I really believe that you know, Christians will just willingly go up and say, okay, it's just biometrics, it's not an RFID chip, <laughs> I'll take it. And uh, <laughs> but, but, we, but we can't be fooled into taking the mark of the beast according to the book of Revelation, or according to the Bible, more precisely. We can't be fooled into it, but we can be fooled into accepting what, the precursor or, or perhaps the infrastructure, the building blocks to that, correct? But, well, it's like... Uh, the social security number is not the mark of the beast, but it's part of the beast system because you don't just put that type of system in play overnight. It takes years and years of developing that infrastructure. You know, I mean, look how long it's taken from the introduction of the cell phone, uh, which really didn't even get into the masses till the 90s, and how quickly that's developed. And, and these handheld phones are more powerful than the mainframes I used to work on. And, you know, that's going to be so easy to use. And keep in mind, again, you know, especially the people that think, I'm not worried because I'm going to be raptured out of here. You know, read about, you know, you need that to buy and sell, and that includes staying in your home. And even if you've paid off your home, uh, <laughs> there's only a handful of countries in the world that doesn't have property tax. It... it, it you pretty much would have to head to the hills if we go down that way to escape the beast system. But yeah, how many people, will, yeah. in order to keep the keep the creature comforts, you know, feed their wife and kids, you know, and they're going, you know, you know, well, it's not an RFID chip. In fact, I'm thinking they might even try to do the RFID first, 
and and when they get the backlash, okay, we'll just do a biometric. You know, you've been using your fingerprint on your smartphone so long. Uh, just do like like Mastercard is doing. You you take a selfie and you uh, you, you you wink to show that it's uh, live and and not a picture. Um, and, and people are just being lulled into it. Yeah, I, I do believe that. Yeah, I, I believe that we are being um, that there's this acquiescence along with this ignorance. So go ahead. Sorry. And you know you you willingly have to accept it, but if you're, and I think this probably gets more to Matthew 25 with the uh, the wise and foolish virgins. You know, it's it's you know, it talks about having oil for the lamp. And I don't think this is a literal because, you know, we, we can have uh, LED flashlights with hundreds of hours battery time. You know, we don't need light to see where we're going in today's society. I think it has to do with the spirituality. You're either, you know, walking the walk or you're friends of the world. And, you know, especially if, if you're those that are the friends of the world, you're partaking in all this stuff. And, you know, instead of paying attention and refusing this, you can walk right into it. Yeah, I'll tell you. That, that, that's really, I mean, that's where, that's why we do these programs. Because we don't want people walking into that. We want people to be made aware. We want the level of knowledge to be increased. We want people to understand the, the lateness of the hour. And our, the, for the most part, our audience does. But who knows who's listening? Who knows who we're touching? Who are just getting it now and saying, hey, wait a minute. Now it's making sense, and I think right now, John, I think that you've you've connected many dots, and I, I just love the way the conversation went tonight. Um, yeah. You know, I really do. Lots of information, but very laid back. Yeah. Maybe you can do yeah. the financial state of the union sometime. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Oh, but but you know what? I mean, you talking about the, the interesting stuff. The Kennedy things really blew blew my mind in the uh, uh, bioluminescence, uh, the North Pole, like the conversation and. Uh, Abe Lincoln flying, flying saucers. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Lost luggage. Yeah, you you guys gotta go back and listen to this show. Uh, I think we're about out of time. Though. Yeah, it's oh. been a pleasure having you, Mr. Reagan. Again, John Reagan, thefinancialstateoftheunion.com is his website. In his book, The Financial State of the Union, it's a great read. Uh, definitely pick it up. Yeah. I want to thank you for coming on tonight, John, and look forward to having you on again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, tell Vince I said hello. All right, folks, tomorrow night, Standeo, hour number three. Uh, and again, ladies and gentlemen, if you want, um, I do have uh, extra copies of my book, Stand By Blood. Go to standbyblood.com, and, and um, you'll see it on the right there. You can just uh, press a button, and if you want me to sign it, and get sent it out to you. Have a safe night, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Good night. This is the Global Star Radio Network.